Welcome, everybody, to the N-Word for Nerd podcast. We are here, and we are back to the OG, the original cast. This ain't no substitute. This ain't no new formula Coke. This <laughs> is no Pepsi Crystal Clear. This is just us. Welcome, everybody. As you, We you fired know, Jaren. <laughs> <laughs> we were going to get to that in a second, but yes, for those who don't know, we fired Jaren. We realized we didn't need his tokenism. And we figured that we can make it all on our own. But if this episode is very poorly reviewed, he may show back up. He'll be uh, back going next week. To the... <laughs> <laughs> With that being said, let's introduce, as always, my original, initial, inspirational co-host, the Duke of All Nerds, Jason. What's going on? Uh, it's a good day. It's been a great day today. Great weekend for movies. It's been awesome. It's been good. Absolutely. I love, I love, I love, I love, I love, I love. I think I've said it on the show. I love October. Not just because of the movies, but all the movies that's on regular TV. Like, I've been watching every single horror movie and situation I could get my hands on. I'm upset that I realized I didn't have AMC on my cable package because AMC has been giving it up, like, legit. And I'm like, oh. They always do good. <laughs> yeah. And I, I hate the fact that people call it spooky season. I hate that everybody yeah. keeps referring to it as spooky season. But deep down, I'm like, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just all the horror classics. And then, you know, I realized, too, the the new horror classics that came up more in our era, but now are being appreciated as classics. Like the other day, The Babadook was on. And I was like, oh, yeah, I love that, that movie. And but people like it's a new classic for people that are younger than us. Or, they looked at it and go, that's great. One of my favorite horror movies that came out like 2002, I want to say people were talking about The Descent. Oh, yes, dude, that movie is scary without it getting scary. <laughs> like, it's scary before it gets to the, to the real scary shit. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I watched The Descent, honest to God. It was, um, I was in college at Penn State, and they had, like, you know, college has like the free activities you do to get you from drinking. Yeah. And I'm not going to tell on myself, but let's just say they were showing The Descent at the, the auditorium. And I'm like, horror movie, I'm going to check it out. So I had my my cup of water that I bring with me everywhere when I'm out at college. And I don't think I drank one sip of that thing because I was so enthralled into that movie. And like you said, there's so many scary parts that aren't jump scares, but just scary because, you know, they did proper tension and scripting that make you actually yeah. feel the weight and this claustrophobia the characters are uh, facing. And then literally, once you get through all of that, it flips to a whole nother movie, which is a legitimate <laughs> horror movie with creatures. So with creatures, it goes right, right. It's so good. <laughs> such a good movie, such a good movie. But yes, The Descent is considered a classic amongst most horror heads, so it was just good to see that I'm getting to that point where you know, like my mother talked about seeing Halloween for the first time and how like now she sees it when it comes on and it's like, oh, I remember seeing it as a kid. I, I feel great now. I'm in that era now where Things I watched like, as like a teenager or a twenty year old, it's like in horror canon now. Don't y'all remember Blair Witch too? I've never seen that one. Don't, don't ever remind us that Blair Witch two ever existed. Dude, I liked Blair Witch two better than Blair Witch one, honestly. Wow. <laughs> yeah, man, that may be the hottest. <laughs> and Blair Witch, and I will, I will, I will fully admit that Blair Witch two is not a good movie. <laughs> wow. Hold on now. Well, did you watch Blair Witch during? The fanic, like, oh my god, this movie's all so the hype, era, yeah. or do you? It oh, okay, 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 okay. Because <laughs> like, I know I, we had, it I was, was a... one of those assholes that thought it was real until like, oh, there's the people, <laughs> like <laughs> on the right. MTV awards. <laughs> well, you know, some of them they did, the, the, which was smart. 
they hit the people after the movie yeah. came out after they got like to the mainstream because it was the one it was making us run through the lower levels the people knew the people were alive but then when it got to the mainstream and picked up they hit the people away so that people actually like you said thought this was a total legit like it was they the were first, getting people the hell up out of here it was the first internet viral sensation because he's like oh you got to see this movie it's you know and you only heard about it in chat rooms and and on right. web forums and you're like oh it's supposed to be real and you're like okay i'm in the seventh grade i'll believe anything you tell me on the internet <laughs> so. yeah. actually here's a great conversation to have just briefly and this is what the show is we i know we're still technically in the intro but i'm let it rock um paranormal activity activity or blair witch the first time you watched them which one was more scary or fascinating to you Okay, because neither of these movies have scares until like the like nothing really scary happens until the exactly right. the end. But I don't fuck with no ghosts. <laughs> so paranormal activity. <laughs> like I would be like, okay, we're going out the woods to what do what? Fine. No, I'm not doing that shit. I'm not going out in no woods to find no witches. <laughs> fuck that. I'm staying at home. We're at home with a fucking ghost. Oh, God. I lost. <laughs> like, that's way more scary. And then you know, you know I, when they put the the powder down and they see the feet, the footprints. Oh, yeah. No. And these dumbasses are like, mm, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> like you got a <laughs> demon in your house. Leave. <laughs> Get the fuck out of there. <laughs> you know, as a horror guy, the biggest thing I hated the most is that those movies, to your point are more traditional horror than the horror movies that we got because the slasher era in the jump scare era made people change their mind of what horror was. Yeah. If you watch a lot of the older movies, Rosemary's Baby and all that, most of the horror is the tension leading up to the final like 15, 20 minutes where everything just goes buck crazy and that's the movie. So I, honestly, like A24 is one of the people who have mastered that ability to be like, we're going to give you all this tension and wind you up all movie and the only thing about it is if that last 20 minutes doesn't pay off for you, you think the movie's yeah. trash. But if it pays off for you, you're like, this is awesome. Like, <laughs> like things like Rosemary's Baby, that legitimately scared the hell out of me, even though like watching it as an adult, it's like nothing happens. It's nothing like at all. Literally nothing, <laughs> but it's all in your head. Everything that's yep. scary is happening in your head. Like yeah. that gave me nightmares. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, no, it definitely Again, like I said, I, and that's why when I have suggested horror movies to people, I go, name some horror movies you like. And they'll go, oh, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you won't like this. Don't watch it. But if they go, oh, I like, oh, I'm like, oh, this is for you. Like, depending what it is and what I'm suggesting. Like, for instance, I gave a friend of mine, um, his girl and a girl and boyfriend or whatever, a couple. You would know him, but I'm not going to put them on the name on the show. But I gave him, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gave him uh, The Evil Dead 1 and 2. Uh, to watch. And I'm like, oh, this is great horror movies, blah, blah, blah. Now, I didn't mention anything about that. being scary or blah, blah. I said, these are great, cool-ass horror movies. Like, they're classics. Man, they watched it. It was like, man, we got half through the first one and turned it off. It was terrible. And Even though it was like, supposed to be terrible. <laughs> I, I told him, I was like, and that's when I started doing the, what horror movies do you like? And it was all the Martin slasher. And I'm like, well, that's why. You're not used to having to sit down and watch a movie where nothing scary happens for like 30, 40 minutes. And it builds yeah. character development. It makes you actually want to care if these characters live or die. You're not used to that. You're used to just useless bodies being thrown at the door. Yes. <laughs> Though I would suggest if you were going to get into Evil Dead as a franchise, start with the second one and skip the first one, in my opinion. <laughs> the second one is a, is a lot more 
totally consistent than the first one is. And it also covers a lot of the same ground. So yes, I would go with the second correct. one. Correct. <laughs> well, it, I would tell if anybody's going to get into the Evil Dead, depending what you like, you're probably yeah. better off starting with the remake. The remake. If you like actual scary one. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then go into the first one. Then go into the second one. And then finishing with Army of Darkness. Because then you can see the evolution of one, two, and three. But like you yeah. said, the remake, yeah. If you want some real straight up like balls to the wall. Like a, a legitional horror movie. <laughs> right, right, right. Like we giving it up on a real factor. Actually, I had somebody tell me that the, that the remake was trash. And I told them I never respect your horror movie opinion ever again. And they should leave my house. Uh, but that <laughs> yeah, was a whole nother story for another day. <laughs> yeah, I was over it. Like, no, you you will not. Good day, <laughs> sir. I said good day. <laughs> I mean, the Bruce, Cam- Bruce Campbell cameo alone makes it a great movie, so you will not. Uh, all right, I guess you guys are used to hearing us since he talks. So today we have a very full roster of things. If you are listening just to this intro and you're like, man, I want to hear all the stuff they're talking about because it's just maybe a clip and not a whole thing. We have all various clips about all different things. Uh, you can find it on all of our sites on YouTube, Facebook. On Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Anchor FM under Head Cannon Circus. Today's show, we will be talking about the Superman being by controversy. We'll be talking about <laughs> DC fandom. We will talk about Halloween Kills, The Last Duel, Black as Night, an Amazon movie. And then we will have a conversation about Black people in horror films and Black horror movies itself. So again, find out what you like. And if I haven't made a clip of it, and you may have to listen to the total podcast and get to that point. I know. What was you? You had to listen to us talk about awesome stuff that you enjoy. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. Y'all can but- <laughs> sit through all this awesome content. It's great. Everything we say is great. Sit down. Right, you right. know what? Your lives are too full. Okay? <laughs> Cut some stuff out. Then- Don't go to the gym this weekend or for one day <laughs> and sit and then relax and listen to us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or go to the gym and while you're on the and bike, sit on the treadmill. push up the, the heavy stuff and listen to us. <laughs> Right, and be pissed off at some of our comments that you don't agree with, and you can comment below about what you don't agree with. And then talking to you, let's... AJ, my brother-in-law, AJ, who goes to the gym every day, <laughs> you can listen to the oh, whole thing. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Actually, in the, in the end of the show, I have some comments to read off about people who have left comments. I want to make sure we, we put them in there and we Ooh. respond to it. Yes. So <laughs> let's start on off with the Superman being by controversy, if you want to even <laughs> call it that. Uh I'm going to go set for first because I know, Jason, you will come with the wealth of knowledge and information and you will tell people how they're overreacting. I'm going to start here and I'm going to go. Only people that are mad about this are old people who ain't never read a comic book in 50 years. These are the only people who are mad about this. And speaking about comments, actually, I got a comment about the James Bond top three Bond girls that we were talking about. And the comment went along the lines of this gentleman saying to us that, hey, we should be careful because, you know, one day Bond is going to be, you know, a guy on another guy or gender neutral or blah, 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 blah. And my response to him was, well, if he's a good spy, he has to be adaptable. And if he's being adaptable, he may have to seduce someone as a gay man. He may have to have a a sexual relationship to get the information Mm -hmm. he needs. Why do we care what sex James Bond is, a fictional character whose job is to stop a world threat by any means possible. They gave him a license to kill that doesn't bother you, but him sleeping with a man to get to the bottom of stopping a world threat bothers you. That is where your priorities are, was my answer to that gentleman. Going to the Superman being by thing, it's the same thing here. Like, you're upset that a fictional character, and let's make it clear for people who don't know, it is not Clark Kent who is by. 
It is actually Jonathan Kent, his son, with Lois Lane, who that is by. And he's a fictional character, and he's a newer character. And on top of all of this, does that it doesn't matter what his sexuality is. His job is to save the earth and have dilemmas and controversies as a hero that have to make decisions and choices. Not once in any Superman comic was his and his heterosexual sexuality a focus in any of the books. So why is it a focus in the comic books now for people who are reading it? He loves who he loves. It doesn't matter. It's not the point of it. Now, if they make some compelling content about discrimination or how the bisexual community or the trans or whatever communities feel in the comic book, that's a great thing to have a conversation about because you know what? We haven't touched that ground very much in DC comics, especially. So the problem I have is just basically point blank is the ones that are complaining, the people who don't even read comic books, they saw a headline that says Superman is bi or gay and they lost their shit and didn't read it. The article didn't find out it was his son, didn't do any information. They just saw it and was like, <laughs> How dare they change my cherished character of Superman? And I can tell you they this don't give if a I look shit at about honestly. I, I was gonna say I'm gonna say it. I can tell you this. I can look at the, the sales and the numbers of Superman Returns, Man of Steel, Justice League, Batman versus Superman. You guys don't care that much about Superman at all by those numbers because these numbers are abysmal if you could put it up to Marvel's numbers. So don't give me this, oh, they're killing this character that I love so much. You didn't care enough to go watch him in the theater. So as I pass this on to Jason, because I know he's going to come with a lot of uh, stuff that, you know, the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't say what any more than you already said. Like, legitimately, the people who are upset about this are the people who are going to be upset about this are the same people who don't read this medium. Firstly, yeah. like, a lot of the uh, comments I hear is that, why are you uh, showing this to our kids? Firstly, kids don't buy comic books. Kids haven't bought mm -hmm. comic books in 30, 40 years, all right? Adults yep. read comic books. It's an adult yep. medium. If you think it's not, you're a fucking idiot You because you haven't read a comic book since the 60s. It has been since, I would say, 1972, exclusively yep. an adult medium. Secondly... Hold on, just to piggy bank that, just give them more <laughs> proof of that. It is a reason why they added Robin to Batman. It was to get kids to buy comics. It's a reason why Shazam's character was a kid who transformed. Literally, they were making characters to petition to youth readers because no yeah. youth were reading comic books. Because only adults read this shit. Yeah, <laughs> that was back in the day. This is in recent, guys. That was back in the day. Robin's been around for how long? Shazam's been around for how long? So, we'll go ahead. <laughs> Honestly, in the history of comic books, comic books have only been for children in that probably that 20 year period where the comics code was being enforced, where they basically had to dumb down the comic books for children, because before that they did whatever the fuck they felt like, you know, yep. Batman shot and murdered people all the time. And then, you know, then you got to the 50s, 60s where they're worried about people being communist and gay. So we got to change. It. So they pushed it towards kids because in order to survive, because they couldn't tell stories for adults anymore. And, you know, and then that changed because then they're like, fuck, why are we doing this? It's not even a real law or anything like that. It's just, you right. know, <laughs> it's just them pretending to do that. We don't, right. we don't get their stamp anymore. So they actually started because these artists are human beings who live in the real world, who see things and have thoughts about these things. And they put them down to ink and paper as any artist does. And yep. the second complaint that I always hear is, um, it's about why is sexuality in these comic books, especially the you know bisexuality or homosexuality or any other 
type of sexuality that isn't cisgendered heterosexuality. And like no one in the history of comic books has ever complained when Bruce Wayne kisses Selena Kyle. Mm-hmm. Same thing. No one has ever complained when Clark Kent kisses Lois Lane. They be having fucking uh, comic books where, where Jessica Jones gets her shit pushed in by Luke Cage. Fucking yep. <laughs> on panel. <laughs> Fucks her yep. in the ass. Facts. You know? Yeah. No, there ain't no controversy there. But, you know, you have one character or two, because we also have to say that, you know, Tim Drake is also has, has uh, been admitted as bisexual as well. Kiss another character. You're like, oh, you're pushing that shit on our kids. It's like, no, it's the same shit that's been out here the whole entire time. Like, you don't ever, you don't complain that, you know, other heterosexual characters are kissing, but you're going to complain that bisexual characters are kissing on you. Get the fuck out of here. Like, a kiss, right. like, why are y'all thinking about people, other people sucking dicks? Like, y'all think, I saw this on TikTok. This gay man said, y'all are thinking about other people sucking dicks more than I am. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> which is Absolutely. it's it's hilarious, and like they honestly, Jonathan Kent is a fairly recent character. He was literally a child like two years ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> so he got artificially—I mean, not really artificially aged, but like he's been aged up uh, to becoming adult. He's taking over the mantle as Superman from his father. He is a new character, and this is what I always like to see. For representation, because you know, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, they've been around for 80 years or so. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really care for you know DC to change Clark Kent to suddenly being bisexual. I don't it, it does it that to me smacks of pandering. Now, if you create a new character like Jonathan Kent and you know, create a bad bicycle, that's what you want. That's you want new stories with new characters who have a perspective that is a part of our world. And that's the best, that's the biggest thing. It's like, they're not pushing anything on it. It exists, people. There are bisexual people out there. There are transgender people out there. They exist. They live life. They're your neighbors, your your friends. They're not pushing anything. They're just expressing life. So get the fuck over it. And if you have a problem with it, die. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I want to jump into something because you hit on it that I was when I figured when I'll give you the mic you were going to. If you have been reading comics or if not even reading, because I'll admit I am not reading straight up paper comics going through them. I usually yeah, do I smart, what a lot of people do. <laughs> I go online and I have people recap and read the comics to me because I'm usually working and doing something. So it's a way that it's almost like an audio book. I get to hear it. I can look up at the TV and see the panels and all that stuff. If you've been following any of this, you would have known that it's always been the joke hitting thing how Tim Drake feels about Superboy, Jonathan Superboy, Kent. Yeah. They were definitely the more... characters. <laughs> yes. Yes. And if you watch their relationship and their friendship, you can tell it is something there because they're younger, but they don't understand what their feelings are because they understand their friends and they understand they're really good friends. But they, you can get from the panels and the pages that it's something more there. But because of their ages, they don't, quote unquote, know what it is because they're unsure. So when we get to this point of where we are now, they have built this into this character for a very long time. And if for people that don't really understand this or believe it, look at the adventures of Superboy and Robin, which is Damian Wayne and Superboy. 
they don't have any of that kind of chemistry. They don't have any of that kind of their friendship is actually better as they get older than it was when they were yeah. younger. And it's none of that tension there. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. And it's none of that tension there. But with Tim Drake and Superboy, it was always a kind of a, some tension there, a positive tension there. So for this reveal, if you want to call it that, it's not much of a reveal if you've been following the books, because when Tim Drake came out, we were like, oh, yeah. I think even you sent a, a TikTok video of it where all the Robins are like, yeah, yeah, we knew. Like, yeah, we, we knew. <laughs> yeah, because they've always played into that narrative without having to say it. And now that it's said out loud, people are losing their mind because, like you said, it's people who aren't following the books. Because if you follow the books, this wouldn't be a surprise to you. It just would have been, oh, finally he comes out and says it. Cool. Let's move on. Like, And also, especially think for people who are our age or younger, who may have read comic books as, as children, you know, you're not going to pick up on a lot of that stuff when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're reading them as a kid, which most people don't, or some people read them as kids all their life. I didn't start reading comic books until I was an adult. <laughs> right, but right, it's right. like, you're not going to pick up on that, on those subtle hints. So you think you're being surprised, but like, if you go back and read those storylines, like, oh yeah, that shit was there the whole entire time. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, my- I don't. I don't. I mean, I I understand because these people who are outraged about this, they they are the ones that have an agenda. You know, it's right. The you know white patriarchy supremacy that just says anything that I don't believe is uh, a thing should not be a thing, and it should be right. thrown away, disregarded, and not spoken about. And you know, because I'm afraid because it's not like things that I do, and it's just like. We're supposed to be Americans, man. We're supposed to be the fearless ones, you know? Stop being afraid mm-hmm. of other people who don't have to have nothing to do with you and what they do in the privacy of their own homes, man. Like, stop. <laughs> and then my, my last point on this to close this conversation is if you are not okay with a character being bisexual and possibly kissing a guy or a girl in the comics, but you're okay with a guy with superhuman strength punching another man in the face, bloodying him, and you have no problem with the violence, but have problems yeah, with a- their sexuality. Something is really wrong with you as a human being. That you were more I mean, worried about a fake character's bedroom than the violence going on in these books. Like, and I might say, I think both are fine because we understand it's not real. But if that's what caused you out of the woods was that, and you weren't upset about the violence, then what does that say to you? That you rather be you're rather worried about that than the violence, it's just a stupid argument. Like, it's so much that goes on with comic books that you could claim is problematic, and that's the thing you wanted to jump on? Come on. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like the way it is in, in general, right? Like, you'll let your kid, I mean, I, I'm I'm a victim of this. I mean, I, I do this as well. You'll let your kid see something violent before you will let them see something sexual. And the thing is, violence should not be a part of life. Right? right, like right. you should not have violence a part of your life. Eventually, sex should be a part of life. I would hope so, anyway. You know, <laughs> unless you're like Absolutely. me and just like you know live in a basement. Sex is a part of life. You want your kids to eventually grow up and experience a relationship and having a a intimate relationship with people. I mean, unless you're a fucking weirdo who like to control their kids because there's people out there to do that. But like. Mm. We all are products of sex, people. <laughs> like we're all sex trophies. That's how this we continue we're being all sex here. Trophies. <laughs> Great way to look at it. Great way to look at it. Well, let's stay on and staying on DC Comics, but onto their 
other division. Let's talk about DC Fandome. DC Fandome dropped, and so it dropped a bunch of different trailers and different things for their movies and video games and cartoons and anything DC happened. So it's a lot to go over. Please look it up on your various other geek and uh, nerd news places. They can get you trailers and all that great stuff. But Jason, what was something that you wanted to highlight from a DC fandom? Uh, the one thing I want to highlight from the DC fandom is the Batman, new Batman trailer. I don't usually like to watch trailers because usually they spoil it. Especially like the main trailer usually spoils a movie. This one, like I don't know what the fuck's going on, but it looks <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> like I, I, I could probably, you know, if I put my thinking cap on, I could probably guess as to what the story is going to be in this. But Robert Rob Pat Pattinson, <laughs> which is I guess right. the internet's new <laughs> name on this thing. I am all for it. I am all for it. I like. I think this looks so cool. Um, I I love me a on his sleeve emo Bruce Wayne like because let's all be honest Bruce Wayne has always been emo <laughs> as yes, fuck yes he's a grown ass man that dresses in black he's emo as fuck it's just that Robert Pattinson can actually pull it off it's a little emo shit uh this looks fucking awesome Catwoman looks fucking awesome mm-hmm. um the Penguin fucking I mean I'm always a big Colin Farrell fan especially if he's allowed to do an accent and and this one he has a very Deep, like New York and accent in this, and it looks fucking amazing. Um, yeah, so hopefully, I'm sad that because we should have seen this movie by now, yeah, it should have been yep. out by now, but we got to wait until March. So that's but that's what really that really excited me about the the drops that came out this this past weekend was that full trailer. Whew, look, so good. <laughs> um, I'm right there with you. I, I just because I'm picking something else, but I just want to say the part in the trailer when the Joker says. It is not a signal. It's a warning. Bruh. I I had to close my computer. I had to get up and walk away. Because that is the dopest line I think I've heard. Hopefully it makes the final cut. Because that is the dopest line I've ever heard someone being Batman ever utter in my life. I mean, think about that for a second. Like, it is not a signal. It is a warning. Like, it means when you see that light hit hit that sky... Time to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's coming to crack heads. If you do it, it's like wrong... that scene in Watchmen where, uh, where uh, Rorschach, even though I hate you know his character as a as a whole, but he does this really awesome line. It's like you're, I'm not stuck in here with you. You're stuck yeah. in here with me. Like that's what that's that kind of energy. Hundred <laughs> percent, my dude. It's not a signal. It's a no. That's like that's like when you were a kid and them streetlights come on. Oh, time to hey, go. Hey, <laughs> that, I'd be home. That ain't a signal. That's a warning. If your hands ain't home, <laughs> Batman putting everybody. <laughs> if I was Batman uh, coming out there with the curlers and a belt in the house coat, <laughs> screaming your name down, destroying your shoe, you ain't at, home. Right, right, shoe you ain't home. So, but uh, I would be I'm a daytime mine, drug dealer. <laughs> I, I would say mine. I'm gonna go with um. Black Adam, and we didn't get a ton and ton and ton. It was a teaser, but I will say, I mean, we had to talk about you know athletes turn pro, I mean, turn actors and all that stuff. It is just something that is just genuinely likable about The Rock. I don't because yeah. you know when he did the fandom thing and he introduces it and he's talking, and I was getting hyped by him just talking about it because <laughs> it's just something dope about The Rock that it's just like, yeah, I'm doing this, doing this, and we wanted to make this good and creative and fun, yada yada. He's giving this whole spiel. And I'm getting more hype, the more hype, the more hype. And then we get the little bit that we get. 
And I'm like, I mean, it gave us nothing at all. But I still was like, ooh, that was still really good. Ooh, like, it is something. And then also, the only, I already know, the issue I'm going to have with it is that they don't lean a little bit into him being an anti-hero as well. Like, Black Adam, for the most part, is a villain. But yeah. they've more molded him lately to be more, I guess, Dr. Doom-esque in his villainy, where I just protect my He has a purpose for people. his villainy. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's my people, it's my not... home. If y'all leave me alone, I leave y'all alone. If y'all come over and set tripping, I'm going to bring that pain to you. Like, they made <laughs> us more mythos that, which I dig. So I'm hoping we get... But I still want a little bit of just the bad guy. I want a little bit of some doing some stuff that we can see both sides of, but he's taking a more of a totalitarian or a nationalist attitude towards it. I yeah. want a little bit of that in sprinkled in because if not, then that him and Shazam conflict won't feel genuine. And when you get a character as charismatic as The Rock, you got to make sure he doesn't overshadow the quote unquote, the real hero of the story, because it's very mm -hmm. easy for him to overshadow that. My biggest fear about that movie is that they're going to venomize it. It's going to yep. be like, oh, he's a good guy from the start. And like, oh, me and fucking Shazam are best friends or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, come on, this is Black Adam, man. Like, he is so much more than than that. Like, he can be like, he has layers. He's a fucking onion. You could have like all these layers to him. Yeah, there could be a good part to him. But there's also a very bad and rotten part to him that just craves power. Even though he creates that power to protect his homeland, he still is a dictator. <laughs> right, right. <And> like, <laughs> like, so, like, I just don't want, I mean, DC in general is wonky at best mm -hmm, and downright mm -hmm. doesn't give a shit at worst. But The Rock gives a shit about what, the, I mean, for the most part, he gives a shit about his, his movies and shit, as long as there's a good paycheck and Right. Hopefully he'll right. be able to steer this into a direction because he's played heels before, right? Yes, he was. I mean, he, he was played a heel. wrestling heel. Yeah, in wrestling for, for, yeah, a, while, for a long for time, very long time. <laughs> yeah, like he started off as a heel and then eventually came the Rock. So hopefully we can get a heel version because unless it's the fucking Joker, which you know, as much as I enjoyed the movie, I thought it was completely useless. Mm -hmm. You don't get a movie from a villain's perspective. Right. Like every time they do one of these comic book movies that have a quote unquote villain in it, they want to fucking heroize them. And it's like, yep. that'll work. That'll work for me. It might work for someone who doesn't read comic books, I guess. <laughs> Just wants to see I, a movie. I think with DC, let, let's be honest. They, they, the hope of the, of the DC universe having the feels of the Marvel universe, I think it's almost done. But I will say this for DC. They haven't been totally god-awful lately. And that's a step yeah. up. I mean, if you want to say talk about Suicide Squad, uh, the reason I, mean, I, I thought it. was... Yeah, I thought it was really <laughs> good. Uh, Aquaman, it is not the movie that you probably wanted to be, but Aquaman has been such a silly character in some of these minds. It's the perfect movie for that character. Yeah. Um, the Snyder version of Justice League... If you can sit through four hours, it's pretty good. It has it its okay. flaws, but but it, I mean, it's pretty good compared yeah. to what we got. If we would have got that in got, theaters, yeah. we would have enjoyed that a lot more than what we end up getting. Yeah, um, exactly. You're right. I know Wonder Woman 1984 kind of flopped and was a dud. Oh, but fuck then that movie up if it was a person. Uh, <laughs> Birds, of Birds of Prey wasn't was terrible. Was pretty yeah. good. Like, 
that, and I mean, I, know, again, I don't count. I don't count Joker at all because I mean, again, you could have put anything, and that would have been the same movie, and it didn't have to attach to DC at all. That name Joker was just in it so it could sell and make money, yeah. but because it didn't need to be that at all. But that all was... the things that we're talking about that's considered in universe, quote unquote, hasn't been bad lately. Now the problem is, is can they make the leap and then give us an Avengers like? You know, like if you look at remember if you remember Marvel's Phase One, Iron Man was really good. Thor, uh, yeah. Incredible Hulk, uh, Captain America, okay. And but once it got to the Avengers, that kind of stepped up a synergy. Right, right, right. And then every, the movies after that started trickling in and became bigger and better. So if they can find a way between Batman, which I don't know how that's going to fit in the universe, the Flash, uh, Black Adam, to one of them really keep a strong going. And then eventually get back to some kind of group movie that brings them some people together. You may have a chance there, but we'll see. Because I feel like with DC, we're all just waiting for the F up. Like my everybody's thought, going into these movies, think waiting on the F up. My thoughts are that they are going to release. You know, they're going to do the Bat- Batman. They're going to do Shazam and Black Adam and right. uh, Aquaman two, and then at the end of this, they will do the Flash movie, which is a Flashpoint movie. Because they they barely just started shooting that, and once the Flashpoint movie is done, it's a complete and utter reboot of the whole entire thing. It's cool. a. I mean, uh, I'm here for it. So, like you know, all this stuff we're getting all these uh previous movies that were already previously you know guaranteed to make money. You know, previously has a previous fan base and all that stuff. We're getting these movies out. Then we're gonna hit this Flash movie, and then we're gonna start over again and like try to do it a better. Because you know the re sequel is is in nowadays, <laughs> so absolutely. Once they do the flash, because Flashpoint obviously is. I mean, they did it in the comic books. Flashpoint was a reboot for to New Fifty Two, whether you liked it or not. You know, it was a hard reboot, and then they did it again, and they can keep doing it because <laughs> every time they fuck up, they just do another Flash movie where Flash yep, just goes yep, and changes yep, the universe. And hey, cool. I'm before that, I watch that movie every single time. <laughs> Or just dive completely into an anti-monitor movie and then yeah. re- reflect all and just delete all of it and come back in. And say, <laughs> yeah, DC has a lot of outs to get themselves back in. The first thing they have to do, though, is show that they can make consistently good, good movies, movies. Yeah. and then reboot it again with that premise in mind and go forward from there. So, because then you can and even do thing, cool they don't stuff even have to be great make... movies. They can just be right. good movies, just solid movies. Yeah, because eventually, if you do this right, you can end. With a situation that's so awesome where you all our all our Marvel multiverse it and then have a Ben Affleck's Batman with the Robert Pattinson's that like fitting some big threat. Like uh, I guess what it is, I guess like I said, the anti-monitor or whoever, and you bring in all the people who have ever played these characters in to have this big brawl at the end. Like you can do that if you knock this out the park right going forward from here. Yeah. So good luck on it. We'll see. Oh, even bring in some of the characters from freaking TV. That would be awesome to see both Barry Allen Flashes. Run with Gus Granson and um, I can't think of another joke's name. Now. Yeah, Ezra, Ezra Miller. Ezra. Yeah, yeah. Because we kind of got a snippet of that in the Flash TV show, but yeah. The problem is um, Warner Brothers DC is owned by AT and T. AT and T don't give a fuck about nothing. <laughs> Facts. Uh, <laughs> now, considering not giving a fuck about nothing, let's talk about our first movie review of the day. We are going to talk about Halloween Kills, ladies and gentlemen. The new release for this new trilogy of Halloween, which I'm pretty sure the third one will not end with uh, Season of the Witch, which is a damn shame. But 
want to let Jason go into it because I feel like his opinion of this movie is going to be a lot different than mine. So, Jason, you have the floor. What did you think about Halloween Kills? I want to start with the things that I liked the best about this movie, <laughs> which are the kills. Michael Myers is a straight murderer, and he kills a lot of people, and they are awesome. They are really great kills. And that is it. <laughs> <laughs> My biggest problem with this movie is that it lacks creativity. Um, they set up a premise for this movie that usually isn't in these kind of slashing movies. They set up a premise, and especially from the trailers, where you think the town of Haddonfield is had enough of fucking Michael Myers, it's gonna hunt his ass down, and and <laughs> hilarity will ensue from there. All right, this is not that movie. <laughs> this is not that movie. The town of Haddonfield is going to be upset that Michael Myers has slaughtered a whole bunch of people and do nothing about it. There's going to be two cars full of people who even attempt to do anything about it, and those two cars full of people are so ineptly stupid that it makes you want to walk out of the fucking theater. All right. So we're going to get into spoilers here. I'm not going to, uh, I'll try to save the, the major spoilers. No, let's jump right into it. I mean, it's on, it's on Peacock. So people Okay, can it's on Peacock. So y'all can see it. Y'all don't have to go to the theater to see it. Firstly, they make Jamie Lee Curtis, who is the star of this, of Halloween period, into a nothing character. She has no point to be in this movie. She all Preach. she does is sit in one room and spout these pseudo philosophical shit that sounds fucking dumb to another character who they retcon to be back alive, who also does fucking nothing <laughs> besides <laughs> sit in this hospital room and talk to one another about how much Michael Myers sucks. And it's completely pointless. All right. They uh, flash back to the 1970s when during Michael Myers' uh, first run of killing. To, I don't know, give backstory on why the cop who lived was is is mad at Michael Myers. I don't fucking know. It, hold on, it, hold on, time it, on. to make sure you make gets people to know they retconned the original Halloween for this moment too. Yeah, to continue. <laughs> so yeah, so for all those who don't know, the the Halloween 2018 movie, which is entitled Halloween, is a resequel. I thought about today, resequel to the original Halloween movie. So that came out in what 1970. Yeah, something like that. So everything in the original timeline from Halloween 2 on to uh, Halloween Resurrection has been completely wiped out. The A lot of the mythology about Michael Myers that Lois showed is his baby sister. Uh, you know, you can go into the Celtic teenager ghost thing if you want to. All that stuff has been wiped out. And, and this is also one of the reasons why I don't like this movie because it's replaced with nothing. It's replaced with the fact that Michael Myers is just an unstoppable killer that kills people and that he needs to look out his window in his house every time he kills people. And, <laughs> and then they say the stupid things like, hey, maybe he's not looking out. Maybe he's looking in at his reflection. I'm like, that's not how windows work. <laughs> like, <laughs> windows uh, are for looking out. If you want to look in, you look in a mirror. That's how mirrors work. <laughs> if you want to self-reflect. Uh, and that's a lot of the problem with this movie is like, I go and I think, that's not how that works. Like in this movie, they don't know how guns work. Every single person has a gun. <laughs> Bum rushes Michael Myers 
and ends up not shooting him because they want to get within, you know, arm's length of Michael Myers. And it's like, you know how guns work, right? You know, you'll have to get close to people to use guns. <laughs> That's why they're guns. <laughs> okay. okay. We also have fucking the police force. Okay. In the beginning of this movie, you know, if you at the end of the last movie, Michael Myers is trapped in Lori Sturd's burning house. The beginning starts off with the fire department getting to this burning house and doing what the fire department does best, which is putting out fires. Unfortunately, there's a Michael Myers in the house. And then Michael Myers does what he does best and slaughters a whole entire company of firefighters. Like, every single one of them. And I don't know why the firefighters decided to, like, you know, 1v1 them at the time, but <laughs> they did. So they all get killed. <laughs> a whole, like, company of firemen get killed. So it's like 11 dudes. Firstly, in the scene, it's like... In, you know, I know there's a, a there's supposed to be a certain amount of suspension of disbelief, right? Like mm. we're in a heightened reality of 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 a world where no one knows how to use a fucking radio, no one knows how to use a fucking cell phone, you know. And for me, like that don't work. <laughs> like you can make the kills, you can make you could use like because you were trying to give us a point of our reality, but you don't know anything about it, like you. A firefighter is not going to just stand there and see someone get killed and not radio somebody. They're not going to be like, well, there goes Brian. I, mean, I guess I got to go and fight him too. Like, they have radios <laughs> on them. All right. They'd be like, oh, yo, we're getting fucked up over here at the Lower Shores house. It's Michael Myers. Could you see, like, the cops or somebody? Oh, shit. He's coming over here. I'm dead. You know? <laughs> the cops do eventually show up to find the slaughtered bodies, and one cop you know, exclaims, ah, it's Michael Myers, we gotta go put him down, and then the cops do absolutely fucking nothing for the mm -hmm. rest of the film. Mm -hmm. And maybe, in my head canon, see what I did there? Mm -hmm. That this is a film about how useless the police are. That would be <laughs> a great thing. Like, the police don't stop crime, they're just there to clean up after crime. But they don't even clean up after crime. They are there to be as ineffectual as anything and eventually the black sheriff guy just sits down and gives the fuck up he doesn't even try and you know, you're saying okay this is a small town small town police force in fucking illinois or whatever like if you ever live in illinois you are even if you're in the middle of nowhere in illinois you're at most two hours away from somewhere that is somewhere <laughs> all mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. you are if you're in the central illinois you are two hours from Chicago. You are two hours from St. Louis. You are at, uh, 30 minutes from Peoria or Springfield. All right. Maybe you're in lower. You're, you're two hours from, uh, you know, fucking Frankfurt or whatever. You can radio in. Oh, shit. This guy just killed 20 people. We need help. And they will be there. You got whirly birds. You got fucking, you know, National Guard. You got out. Like, you can make a movie where, you know, people act like. They act in the real world and still make you got to be creative and come up with creative ways. Like for me, this movie should have been like about how Michael Myers is picking off these people who are hunting him. You know, maybe he goes and kills a, a squad car of cops and then sneaks away. And while he's killing the squad car, they radio in, and the cops come there. But now he's in another place killing another set of people who are looking for him. None of this happens. It's just none of it happens. It's just like dumb situation to dumb situation to dumb situation. Fucking 
the first kills after the 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 uh, the uh firefighters it's an old couple nana never calls the fucking cops even while she watches fucking her her husband getting killed she has mm-hmm. a knife and i'm saying this my grandmama wouldn't have just stayed there and got stabbed i know jason's grandmama wouldn't just stand there and got stabbed i know a lot of people grandmamas wouldn't just stand there and got stabbed all right she would have at least tried to attack him but nope she just gets killed and they're dead you know we have another set of kills where they are a uh a nice gay couple who live in michael myers house who hears someone break into their house see a bloody handprint and is like we're gonna grab knives and we're gonna hunt them down like mm-hmm. who does that like i'm a black dude there's 99 percent uh, a chance that i will never call the cops on anything if someone's in my house guess who i'm fucking calling the fucking cops, cops. <laughs> right <laughs> i'm not bad looking boys, for that bad boys what you gonna <laughs> I'm do gonna be like, outside <laughs> Calling nine one, I think someone's in my house. And if they come and they don't find them, I'd be like, "I'm sorry, y'all. I thought somebody was in my house." And then hopefully they don't <laughs> shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> You're going uh, to go hunt for this killer who has killed dozens of people with your son and his teenage girlfriend. <laughs> You're going to hunt for this person with an old lady. Mm-hmm. A black dude who don't know shit, mm-hmm. his wife, and another old lady. Mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. Gu- his guy who has slaughtered at this point, and they know they have slaughtered at this point more than two dozen people mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. one night. Oh shit, my, my TV started fucking going. <laughs> he's, he's very efficient. This movie is he's very so. It's just like stop making movies like this. Y'all can be more creative, like. No one can get locked inside their car unless the child lock is on. And if the child lock's not on, you can get out. Unless mm-hmm. you show me that the child lock is on in the car. I don't understand why these grown-ass adults cannot get out of a car that they're parked in. <laughs> You're grown-ass <laughs> adults. Just leave. <clears throat> run away. <laughs> don't climb out the window. Unlock the fucking door and run. <laughs> wow. <laughs> This movie's fucking stupid. I hate it. Jason, why'd you make me do this? Go ahead. Exercise demons. Have you got it? Before you go on, Jason, I know you're going to say, I know you're going to say, well, it's just a horror movie, man. It's just, you know, it's just supposed to be dumb fun. No, no, it's not just a horror movie. (laughs) You chose to do this. You could choose to do better. You know, it's not just a horror. You're going to make a statement about my mentality and have that go fucking nowhere. So you obviously put some thought into it. You could put more thought into it. All right. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, go ahead, Jason. All right. All right. Uh, Jason, it, it's just a horror movie. What do you expect for people in a horror Fuck movie? you. All right. <laughs> so, look, Halloween Kills is probably the most brutal, uncompromising Halloween, the shape, the figure, Michael Myers that I probably have ever seen. Like the the sadism in him, the brutality is just gleeful. So I know how Jason feels. And look, everything he's saying, people, ladies and gentlemen, it's a hundred percent correct. It is no defending it, except for some points I would defend. At some points I would defend, like they did make a comment about him trying to get people from other areas to come help them, and they were unresponsive. 
So that was a comment that was thrown in. So I know it doesn't satisfy your argument, but the point is they did make a mention that they tried to call cops in place from all the surrounding areas and nobody was responsive. Now, is that believable? Hell no, because cops would be looking to really kick some ass. <laughs> and they, in these small towns, ain't nothing going on. They were ready. But the point is they did address it. The second part of it is that a lot of the cops didn't do dick because, remember, they were chasing the wrong guy for majority of the movie. And when they found out he was the wrong guy and he killed himself, they had no knowledge of the other stuff. Why? Because, like you said, no one called the police. No one else called the police. So no police knew that his dude was out killing other Jokers because they assumed the Joker that fell off was the guy until they realized he wasn't the guy. Anyway, so... I'm not, again, that's as far as I'll go with justifying it because it is a dumb movie, but that's what makes the fucking movie great. That is fucking idiotic. It is the most improbable version of Halloween we've had probably ever. And I loved it. And why do I love it? Let's go with why I love it. So, one, in the in the opening scene, he's listed as the shape. Thank you. Thank you. Because John Carpenter, he was the shape. It wasn't Michael Myers, it was the shape. Great. Uh, the other thing I liked about it is that as much as you hated the Hattonfield thing, I love the Hattonfield being like, nah, we bought this life. We ain't taking it, putting up with this stuff no more. Because how else was this going to end? Hattonfield wasn't going to win. Like, let's call it what we're going to call it. We knew Hattonfield wasn't going to win. And yes, <laughs> do you want some uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger predator style Michael Myers running around and isolating and offing these people one by one, blah, blah, blah? That would have been cool too, but it's never been his style. It's never been. He's not. It's always been his style to kill people. No, no. To be a a, a stout starking, like he was a stalker. He was never a stealthy kind of sneak up behind you. When no, he was always. You see me. I'm walking towards you. You get the fuck out of the way, and you hope you get to a point where it's a dead end, and he catches up at that point. Now, Jason Voorhees, yes, has been stealthy and could disappear and reappear in spots and do all the shit he wanted to do. Whatever. Besides the point of that, it was very probable that. Michael Myers, we get caught up in the trap because we are still under the illusion that he is a human being. I'm no longer under the illusion that he is a human being because he got sprayed up. And that joker <laughs> got back up like it was nothing wrong with him at all. And I know it we get Laurie Shaw's conversation about his, oh, the more he kills, the more. I don't know if that's real or not. But from that moment, I was like, I guess, I guess that's what they're alluding to. Hadfield was about that life. Now, the problems I have with the movie is that everything with Tommy felt like it was a B-movie, and I'm with you on that. Like, his line delivery, him caulking around with the bat, and it, it felt like Sci-Fi Channel had brought this movie. It was like, hey, we need something chalky and cheesy. Let's put Paul him Rudd in. was a better Tommy. <laughs> oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> I'm with you as well. I feel like you wasted. I literally put in my notes. Here's my notes, because you know you love when I, I go with these crazy-ass notes. Did Jamie Lee Curtis get paid for this? Because if she did, she stole as much money from this as she did from Halloween Resurrection when they killed her (laughs) in the first five minutes. Because that's about as much time she's in this movie that's worth a damn. It's five minutes worth of crazy dialogue. Then you're like, what? Now, I am glad they did not let her go out. I'm glad they did not let her go out and fight because she was injured. The problem is, is that this is supposed to take place over a pretty much at this moment, because I think the sequel is going to take over place with the rest of this night. She's gonna get healed by the sequel, which is probably gonna be on the same night. And she's gonna go fight Michael, her and the other broke up dude that's on the other side that they try to pigeonhole a romance in. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no. I will say this to this movie if you are a guy, a fan of slasher flicks, 
this is it for you. This is, you got it. If you are a fan of slasher flicks that are unintelligible and just crazy balls to the wall, this is it. If you are a fan of thinking that good writing in your slasher fix makes it more potent, you have met the wrong one. And that's why I made the comment about Tommy feeling like he was from a B or C movie from sci-fi. This is what this movie was. Now, if I say that to you, Jason, does this not change your whole perspective of the movie? This movie was a C movie. I, movie. I know why they gave it. I'm glad. I know why they put it on Peacock. Because Look, this movie, it should have been straight to video. It should have been straight to fucking TV, honestly. Yes, if it was straight to TV, I probably would have liked it better. But still, y'all still made this shit. Y'all wrote it down and made this. Like, y'all know what y'all doing. And y'all could have done better. But as I'm saying, I think that was the point of it. I don't think it was supposed to be better. I think the point of it was to be a schlocky slasher flick that from the from the old era, and that's what it was. It was almost like camp uh, camp getaway or prom night. Or it was a schlocky slasher movie, and that's what it was. The last part of it too that I will give credit and fun to is that this is being written by people like Danny McBride and all that. You can see the influences of their movie going childhood like ours. The last kill of this movie, which I won't spoil, I'm gonna spoil it. Was supposed <laughs> it was supposed to do a lot for the movie, but I think because of all the goofiness before it, like we talked about, it didn't hit the mark because you made it so we didn't care about any of these characters. So to give us that kill at the end, which if we want to talk about how the hell did he get up there when it seemed like everybody else is on that doorstep and porch, he yeah. So <laughs> again, my... again, again, I'm with you, but my point is that. That kill at the end didn't feel like the impact it should have felt because of all of the schlocky stuff they did before. And I think all that schlocky stuff was intentional. And I think they were like, hey, we need something at the end to ground it. So when we go into the third movie, we can get serious and ground it, which I think it may be too late for that. But again, like you said, we see what we do. I'm with you on a lot of your points. I think the part <laughs> the problem is, is that the parts that you hated about it, once I got into my mind what this was, I was like, oh, this is why this is some bullshit. I'm here now. Let's go. Also, I think the difference is that you did sit into a theater and pay for this, and I sat at home oh. and watched this. Definitely Here's makes a difference thing. in why I feel the way I feel. <laughs> why uh, this is also, this has nothing to do with the movie, but mm -hmm. to all the people listening, especially all the you new parents out there, leave your motherfucking kids at home. All right? If you got a baby <laughs> and you can't find a babysitter, Guess what? You do not get to go and see a movie, okay? Yeah. I'm a parent. I know I want to get away. I want to get out, have a good time. I get it. I understand. Do not bring your baby. Do not bring your toddler. Do not bring your preschooler. Do not bring your kindergartner to an R-rated movie with other adults are going to be there. Because you will get one black guy who's going to get up and punch your baby in the face. Yeah. <laughs> There will uh, be a headline <laughs> that says "Black dude punches baby in the face for crying in movie theater." All right, and I will be, and I will take that charge, and I will go to jail. And you'll see my black ass on the fucking TV or on TikTok for punching a baby. Leave your baby at home, please, Facts. for the Facts. baby's safety. Uh, last thing is, I think this movie, even though it was super short, it was only like an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. Like the last ten minutes could have been conduced. Or the last, yeah, 15 minutes could have been reduced to like five minutes. I feel like yeah. the last fight scene should not have happened. It should have been like the first scene where Michael Myers just tears shit up, right? Yeah, yeah. And then goes and kills. Because for me, 
as a logical human being, once the ambulance shows up, you should have a cops locking down a lot. Because we've seen procedurals. We've all seen police procedurals. Yep. You know, they lock down a fucking crime scene. You know, they have, they're walking around. They don't let people in. So that last kill, in my mind, because the fucking paramedics are there, I'm assuming the cops are there. They should have mm-hmm. locked down the crime scene and it shouldn't have happened. All right. Mm-hmm. And especially in the last, actually, the last 10 kills probably shouldn't have happened because if uh, our boy was down and out, you know, and the cops show up, they should have showed up over there too. And then maybe right. they all get killed. You know? Because that's how shit works in real life. <laughs> that's how shit works in the United States, you know? And like that's why I say that like you could do stuff like that and have those like realistic moments and then have them get fucked up. And you'd be like, holy shit, that's exactly what would happen. And but this dude is getting still fucking them up. And I'd be like, oh shit, that would blow my mind. But no, you give me this shit instead. And you find the easiest way to the path ahead. And that's it. Also, the daughter should have fucking died. I was rooting for her ass to get fucking killed, like from the very first scene. <laughs> oh, I agree. Uh, <laughs> and, and, but even I hate to say this because they're they're better movies than what we're even talking about. But this, I hate to say this, but this is kind of in the same era of the part one was way more serious about PTSD and trauma and how it affects generations of families and had great mythos. And this one was kind of like, nah, we yeah, just killing jokers out here yeah. in the streets. Who well, <laughs> we talked about the evil dead one and evil dead two. Evil dead one tried to build these characters and these part two was like, nah, we out here. Let's, Let's get it in. And I'm but just saying that the sequel was like a remake of part one though. My, my point I'm trying to say <laughs> is that most sequels is like, let's get busy. Alien, straight up horror film, blah blah blah. Aliens, a sci-fi flick was let's get busy. They got yeah, the military still... guys in there to go. Like I'm saying, the point is, is that the <laughs> tone of movies from one to two in some of these series and real in real horror movies have always kind of been shifted. Hell, Nightmare on Elm Street to Freddy's Revenge, the tone is completely different, and that's probably a better comparison. Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy's Revenge is probably a better comparison for this and that because the tonal switch is so vast. That you're like, yeah. hold on, is this the same kind of movie? And I'm point I'm funny. trying to get to is just that it I feel like this was supposed to be what it was. And I know you're not happy with it, which is fine. And I get it. But once I got in my mind that like this is a shtick, this is them trying to show that Michael Myers is bigger than just the person, that Michael Myers is the image of fear and a curse on this town, and this curse in this town will never die and will never stop. No matter what you do, no matter how you do it, maybe all the terrible decisions enabled all that stupid stuff we're talking about. The point is, that was the principle of it. But I think for them to get that tone, they had to shift the, the, the tone of the movie. Because you're right, like, if, if by your logic, if we would have done stuff that real people do, this movie would have been 15 minutes long. <laughs> because like, a lot oh of God. stuff when they would have showed because, up and they or, or when it was seven or when it was seven firefighters, all of them would have jumped them and drilled off his parts and been like, hey. We finally killed Michael Myers and took apart all his on limbs. He can't like. So at, at a certain point, it had to be like, oh, for this to work. Because, and you're right, because you don't have to write it that way. The house could just burn down. He could escape and never had that scene. And we would have been none the wiser. That movie would have still worked the same way, been none the wiser without the slight. Again, so I agree that it's creative choices that were made that made the movie bad. My point is that for me, is a once I realized it was a B-movie slasher, 
I'm like, oh, creativity out the window. How many kills and nasty kills can you give me? Hey, you know what? Yeah, I know you killed that dude, but let's stab him in the back seven more times with seven different knives just to push home that point that this Joker I, is on another level. <laughs> I did love when he killed the boyfriend. That was like the most gnarliest thing where he was still alive while the girl's like, come over here. And then he just stops and looks and just twists his head around. <laughs> I was like, oh. He's like, nah, we ain't, we ain't fucking around here. No, like, I'm going to get this guy first again, and I'm coming for you. <laughs> oh, I mean, again, think about the brutality of having the wife look as he his The dude's dead, and she's just taking random knives and just putting it in his back for fuck's sake. No other reason. Just to be like, I want you to watch as I do this to your husband. Like, <laughs> I was here for it. Um. Let's go ahead and uh, jump to our ratings of Halloween Kills. Jason, what do you rate Halloween Kills? I will give it a two. There you go. Oh, see, you can it's like, funny. It's... We're in the same boat. I'll give it a two as well. <laughs> I, I would say if you like, if you're just in it for the fucking kills, the kills are great. The kills are fucking awesome. Just And don't use your mind for anything else. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. It's funny. Uh, I like how we have two different views of this movie, but at the same rating. I give it a two as well. Like it is something that if it would have came on sci-fi, I would have been like, oh, this is interesting. And would have just laughed my way on through. This is a movie that you and your buddies will get together for and complain about how corny and cheesy and how gnarly the kills are. And that is all it is. Point blank. Again, I feel bad that the ending scene happened because I felt like that was supposed to be a moment of real impactful. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I didn't care at all. Only thing I, I I just regret that that character because she's a beautiful woman and I love seeing her that she had to be out of, out on that. <laughs> I also should say this is probably going to be in our conversation later as well. But the uh, our three or two token black characters. I'll let the old lady be our third, but the two token black characters only at one point do they act like black people, <laughs> and that's when they think the guys in the car are like, "I ain't going over there." <laughs> yep, 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 yep. But other times they're just like, "No." Nah. Uh, we'll just be just as dumb as any other person in, in this movie. But that was funny yeah. when he was like, mm, nah, not going over there. <laughs> nah. <laughs> I'll go back to the bar and grab some folk. Uh, well, let's go into a movie that you saw that I was unfortunate enough not to be able to see. Uh, Jason did go check out The Last Duel. And he, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and review that for you guys. And so, Jason, take it away. What do you think of The Last All right. Duel in theaters? The now? Last Duel which was written by uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and another person. I don't know who the other person was because I didn't pay attention to, the, to the, the credits. But directed by Ridley Scott, starring Matt Damon and M. Driver with a, a little bit of Ben Affleck in there. Um, the premise is a, uh, a landed knight and his buddy, his wife accuses his buddy of rape. And in order to, uh, you know, Get justice, they go into a last duel. Ah, it's great. Um, this movie to me is very, very interesting. Um, I generally enjoy like period pieces and shit, like especially in medieval times with knights and swords, because I'm a fucking nerd. So I generally enjoy stuff like this. Um, but uh there is some I've had some notes. Uh Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, uh, and Adam. Firstly, I hate it takes place in France. And I hate how when movies take place in a place that has another language that isn't English, they still sound like they're English. But in this movie, you have Adam Driver who does a passable English accent. You had Matt Damon, 
who is attempting to do an English accent, and then you have Ben Affleck, who's not even trying. <laughs> ben Affleck is supposed to be the 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 Baron Pierre, and he sounds like he's from fucking Boston. It's just it's just and it's so off putting and and out of nowhere. Even though I think in 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 whole. I like the way he was taking the character, the character that he was given. Uh, but he, they should have hired somebody else for that because it was just so out of nowhere. Show brother um, from Boston. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so this movie is told in a pretty, uh, pretty uh, unique fashion. You first get, uh, at first, I, I did not realize how they're telling the story, but I thought it was moving too quickly. You're getting scenes that weren't; they were really kind of dis- disjointed and disconnected. But you're seeing the situation that leads up to the uh, assault from each character's perspective. So you start off with Matt Damon's character, and he's rocking a badass Florida mullet in this movie. Mm. It is so Floridianly mulletly. It is perfect. <laughs> so you see from his perspective first, and you get to feel like that he thinks he's a good and kind and gentle knight. He's the the air of nobility, like when every uh, a slight is made against him, he is in the just and right to uh, try to uh, find justice for that slight. Um, when he learns about his wife's assault, he is kind and he is a little bit. He has to make sure that she's telling the truth. But once he he she tells him, I'm telling the truth. He is kind and caring. and He goes to his friend to duel him for her honor. And and you know he has to go to the king of France to get this you know legally thing, but you feel like he's doing it out of uh, a sense of kindness and love and respect for his wife. The next segment you got from Adam Driver's character, who is the friend, who uh, sees his Matt Damon's character as kind of a brutish kind of lout. Uh, him and the uh, Bur- the Baron Pierre think he's an idiot, and they make fun of him to his face and stuff. So they're very cruel to him. But he is not the kind and gentle soul he presents himself to be in the first segment. He is uh, jealous. He is uh, uh, scheming. He is he is broke, so he is always trying to get, you know, his what he feels like he deserves, even though he knows he doesn't deserve it. Uh, Adam Driver's character uh, is not the best person either. Uh, he is a flanderer. He is a sycophant to the Bar- the Baron Pierre. The reason he is gaining things not for skill of arms is because he hangs out with this dude, and this dude likes him. So he gets land and money and 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 title. And it's a really interesting thing that in his mind, uh, he is delusional to think that uh, Matt Damon's character's wife is in love with him. So he doesn't think mm-hmm. it is an assault. He thinks he was just playing the game and being, you know, trying to be chased. He thinks he's an adulterer. He doesn't think he he insulted her at all. And then finally, you get uh, the uh, Lady Marguerite. I can't remember the actress's name. I'm sorry. It's probably a sexist thing of me to not even remember it. But you get it from her perspective. And you realize that neither of these dudes is good. (laughs) She is a dutiful and faithful wife to her husband, but he's an asshole to her. He's a fucking moron. The only reason he isn't broke and destitute because she is keeping the manner. She is smart, intelligent, and knows how to run a business. All he wants to do is go off to war and fight and think that's how he can make money. 
when they have lands and people, he's just not collecting rents on it. So she collects rent and she knows about, you know, putting people who know things in charge of the things they know. So uh, Matt Damon's character thinks that he can breed horses, but he keeps telling the horse breeder to stable the mares instead of having, and the horse breeder's like, we should have these mares out. And he's like, no, I'll do what I say. So he's a brute from her perspective. She's a brutish, you know, I mean, he cares for her in his way, but, you know, she and she cares for him in her way, but it's not a loving relationship in her perspective. And this thing that you find out that you think is a honorable thing that Matt Damon is doing to protect to stand up for his wife's honor because she accuses him of uh, uh, Adam Driver's character of rape. You know, obviously in the medieval times, you know, and this is where the message comes in rape to them isn't uh, a crime against a woman, it's a crime against the man's property, which is his wife. So mm-hmm. And you think that Matt Damon is, you know, trying to uh, protect her honor, but really he's just trying to get revenge for his friend, to his friend who he thinks has slighted him all these years. And you realize this duel is just his, because he never tells her that if he loses his duel, even though he might lose and die, she's going to get burned at the stake because if he loses. So, oh shit. Yeah. So, like, and like he has made this plan. Of, of doing this thing without even consulting her if that's what she really wanted to do. She just wanted to really just go in the court, just have a petition, and then hopefully, you know, some justice of, but he's going to go ahead to the king and order this duel so he can finally fight his enemy, uh, you know, at the cost of her life. And, you know, obviously, if they both die, their child will now be an orphan and a bastard. So it's all a selfish, selfish you know, act on behalf of these two men who don't give a shit about the feelings of this young lady who is has to live in this world. Um, mm-hmm. There are some parts that are kind of hokey. Uh, as I said, Ben Affleck is, is definitely a sore thumb in this movie, even though like a lot of the scenes are full of sex and fun and stuff like that. The action, there's only about two battle scenes. There's three, about three battle scenes in this movie. Two are very brief. And then the final duel at the end, uh, I think they're pretty cool. You know, uh, the final duel of the end is probably the best part of it. It's fucking gnarly. It ends in a grisly fashion. It is awesome. It is fucking amazing. Really, Scott knows how to fucking show, shoot a one-on-one duel because he did it in fucking Gladiator. He knows how to do this shit. Right, right. The best part about this movie, I think, is that if you want to have a message for, to get guys to, especially men of a certain age, to care about things that affect women... Uh, you should put fucking fights in it. You should tell the story and put fights in it because this is the best way. Because this this whole thing, um, all these three movies that we watched this 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 week have some sort of message. Halloween's message is fucking, you know, ridiculous. Uh, the <laughs> Black Knight, which we'll talk about, the Blackest Knight, that that has a message. I feel like this one is most successful at having that message be more integrated into the part of the story where they're just being preachy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, this lady goes on trial where she's accused someone else and she's the one that's being put on trial here. And, you know, you have men who are like, well, did you enjoy it? Well, you said he was handsome. So if you thought he was handsome, then it can't be rape or whatever. And then, and, you know, and these things, and you, as silly as you think, as you're watching it as a movie, it's like, this shit still happens, right? Like this shit is still where women are being treated, you know, by men who don't understand, who have no skin in the game for them. And they are making decisions for them 
based off what they believe and it's it's and it's it's real it happens it's still happening and you, and you and you think that you know maybe we have you know moved beyond it but we haven't we still have this shit and it's so dumb and and the best way to like tell people about this is to have at the end of the movie one dude brutally murder another <laughs> Right, right. Um, the lady's name is Jody Comer. She's the yeah. same one from Free Guy. So yeah. shout out to her. She was, She's having a hell of a year. <laughs> dude, uh, I liked the performance by Matt Damon, even though he was trying his best to do an English accent and he just couldn't do it. I liked the performance of Adam Driver. Her performance was better than all of hers. She had She's... to play three, like, you know, because you see these stories from three different perspectives. So in the first perspective, she's the loving, dutiful wife who just thinks the the world of her husband and the second mm. one she is the you know uh seductress she is the uh the demure like you know i don't oh no i don't want to but i really want to but i don't want to and the third one right. she is an intelligent thoughtful woman who is in this impossible situation in a society that doesn't give a shit about her whatsoever and she is just trying to find her best way forward to get justice for herself and even at the end before the duel, she's like, if I had known that this was going to cost, could cost us literally everything, I would have done what every other woman would have done, which is said nothing. Because the, mm-hmm. uh, Matt Damon's mom's character, uh, Matt Damon's character's mother, comes to this woman's like, why are you doing all this? She's like, I want justice. She's like, I've been raped too, and, you know, I kept that shit in the mom. She's like, why do that? It's because I got to live. And that's basically mm-hmm. what, you know, it's all about. It's like, I, I just sit there and took it because I got to live. And that's that's the price that you had to pay. And, you know, because if you were found guilty by God, you're going to get burned to the stake. So yep. this movie was really, really cool. Uh, I The only thing that I hate is not the movie's fault. It's more like Hollywood's fault. I want to see movies like this that aren't European-centric, you know? <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> I want to see because there are more. There are, and I wouldn't say more fascinating, but there are other fascinating parts of the world that have these kind of fascinating stories and this kind of fascinating uh, setting without these people in them. <laughs> that the same right, people right. that we see every single day. And I would like more cool. stories like this, but with. And also, 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 before you motherfuckers, mm-hmm. you know, say they were black people. In medieval Europe, black yes. people have been yes. there the whole entire time, right? Oh, I mean the Moors. Just look at the, the Moors. Moors yeah, everybody. just not even just the Moors, but you know, Rome was a part of you know went all over Europe. They've had black people. Black people. So you know, you can put black people in these movies. You know, maybe not as main characters or whatever, but sometimes as main characters because Hell, black people did, existed uh, in, in in medieval times in in Europe. When, when did uh, Othello take place? That technically. That was in the 1500s. Yeah, yeah, as I'm saying, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, racism, as we know today, did not exist at that time until they did started doing chattel slavery in the late 1500s. But black people existed. We can put black people in these kind of movies. Uh, suck my dick if you think otherwise. <laughs> I like this movie. Um, <laughs> shout out to Julie Comer, because you just saying it. I mean, she had to play both the roles in Free Guy of her avatar and herself in the real world. So it's kind of cool yeah. to see her like really flexing the acting muscle and bone here in, in two movies, one that could, she could have phoned in and free guy. And this one where it actually took her chops and it seemed from you, she seems 
to do a good job. So, Jason, it comes all down to it. Uh, what do you give a rating to The Last Duel? I will give this a 3.8. You know, it's not... Wow. It's not up there to four yet, but it's a it's a good movie. If you are at home and it comes on, it's no reason not to watch it, especially if it's like on HBO or something like that where you can get the full effect. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And uh, spoilers, spoilers, if you're not listening, fast forward here, five seconds and five, four, three, two, one. Who won the last duel? Oh, my God. It is fucking awesome. So Matt Damon's character wins, so his wife does not get burned at the stake. But how he wins is a brutal knockdown, very realistic drag out fight. He gets uh, Adam Driver. He's got his dagger at him. He's like, confess, confess. And Adam Driver is like, it was no rape. It wasn't rape. And Adam Driver kind of turns on his side. And like Matt Damon has his like the dagger like right at his mouth. And then he knees his head into the dagger. And you can feel, you can hear like his teeth break as he just pushes that dagger Ooh. into his fucking mouth. It's so gnarly. It's awesome. It is awesome. Oh, All right, that's, that's a cool fight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that ends our discussion on the last duel. We're going to jump to an Amazon Prime movie that I might think it got a limited release to something. It is maybe, maybe not, but it's called Black as Night, which is a vampire movie taking place in New Orleans. And uh, I know Jason's going to have his whole thought process on that. That's the reason why I said it that way. Uh, but Black as Night is. Got the blackest budget I've ever seen in my life in a movie in a very long time. And it being on Amazon kind of offended me. So made me look it up and realize that Amazon did buy this movie, did not make this movie. Thank God, because if Amazon, you've given us budgets like this, I'd, I'd get rid of my subscription after that. But <laughs> with all that being said, the creativity in this movie excited me. Because you could tell this isn't a highly budget film from the actors, from the sets, from the CGI and all that. But it... To go to your argument about Halloween Kills, if you guys haven't heard that review, it's further up, or go look at that uh, clip for us for Halloween Reviews. This does, I think, what you talk about. It gives a sense of realism and a sense of actuality to a movie that is dealing with the most supernatural thing you could deal with, which is vampires. <laughs> and it is fucking great. The whole stuff with Babino's backstory, when they do that side piece, and they the creativity they do to show that story, great the the mythos of the vampires in this are just so so good it it it's old school mythos for vampires guys but not even old school mythos of vampires it makes me so mad that marvel because they probably didn't have the people in the, the right seats there didn't, didn't think of this, this reason for blade uh. like <laughs> the, like blade should have been what these vampires are talking about when it comes to that melanin being magic baby and how that affects with the sun like that should have been Blade's mythos right there. Like that would be ah oh, oh, missed opportunity for Marvel because they probably did not know or have because the white guys around. fucking wrote that shit. They don't know nothing yeah. about nothing. Right. <laughs> no offense um, to all the white people out there. I'm sorry. It's just that you you don't know anything about black people. I mean, you just right. Especially that now. Shout out to them for at least giving us a black vampire. But yeah, anyway, with that you. being said, uh <laughs> Also, too, Shorty wasn't even that black, too. The way they was... I know! He wasn't even that black, dark. (laughs) Not at all. So I thought that was kind of hilarious, too. like she's from the fucking fix of Africa, and she ain't even that dark. (laughs) But it's funny because, you know, me and you have both grown up communities where people be bugging about getting dark. I love the opening scene. Like, why you not in the sun? I don't want to get dark. Like, kudos. That shows me that somebody that looked like us or either associated with us was writing that movie because that is something that we only talk about 
in our own selves and around the people that we're comfortable with about our shades and complexions and being out in the sun and the stigma of being too dark or too black and how that affects and all that. So with all that being said, um, Keith David, man, can we just, <laughs> just can, bronze I, I don't know. him and make him the king of whatever? <laughs> yes. Can, yes. Like, how, how is this guy this great in everything he does? And we just like Hollywood under the radar at his door to get him every <laughs> single movie that he we could ever get him in. Keith David is a gem. If people don't know who Keith David is, look up the thing. Look up um oh Goliath from fucking <laughs> this. He's uh, uh it, um they live. Yeah, I'm about to say they live with all- the epic fight scene. That's probably the best fight scene of all time in all cinema. Um, we can go through the list. Just Keith David, Keith so David, much Keith stuff. David, Keith David. Uh, the president for Rick and Morty. He voices the president, the black president of Rick and Morty. Uh, so we again, guys, you guys have probably been in around or seen something he's in and just never knew it because he doesn't get the spotlight as much. But on this one, especially the end. Oh, he gets the spotlight, and it's <laughs> fucking amazing. He just chews up scenery. But I guess I feel like I feel like Jeremy right next. I haven't even talked about the movie for sure. Um, this movie, it is scary in parts, but until I realized that it wasn't a highly funded movie, it lost some of its appeal. That opening scene where he's like, "Hey, get away from blah blah blah," and you I just can't. see the eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You see the eyes. Great. Her when she's walking home. And she's going to help, and he gets up, and you see that they do great work with shadowing your lights in this movie for a movie that isn't highly budgeted. They usually they they did a really good job with all the things they could do. Um, the stuff with her mother, I thought was very cool because I know a lot of people in our community deal with addiction and drugs, and that family never gave up on her. And for her to, to lose her mother the way she did, it embodied her mythos very, very well because they set up a situation where this was a family that loved their mother, and this was almost like they lost the bent rocks to their family, and the father is kind of freeballing, which he was a terrible actor, but he was freeballing here, and he got his kids, and his work. Acting's so not so great. great. <laughs> no, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, not, not even close. Uh, Chris could go kick rocks. But anyway. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> it, it just has a lot going on. Um I'm going to let Jason go because I'm just going to keep talking about the awesome stuff in here. And then the, the final speech by Keith David – about being a vampire and I, I mean, it's so much and in this seeing movie, it like because like, like I feel like you know mm-hmm. like people say Killmonger is right I feel like this dude was right I mean like absolutely you know obviously he's going about this the wrong way but like he has a perspective on the world that you know no one else has and he's like I've seen the riots I've seen it happen over and over and yep, over yep, again. Yep. And it's like we gotta do something about this, but yeah, it was it was good. It's and good. then um, even I love the the dichotomy of the American black versus the African decipher black. Like even it's so much in this movie that you could tell the melanin is magic wrote this because it's so <laughs> many things you could pick up on and you could take, uh, which I think are just uh, amazing. But Jason, I'm going to lay my time down. Right. I'm going to really proceed the rest of my time. To let <laughs> Can you I have go my time? <laughs> you have fun with this. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to start. I, I feel like we already kind of get decisions that we both kind of like this movie. But I'm going to start with some of the negatives. And this is one, yeah. of, one of the biggest negatives for me. And this is, not, this is more like a nitpicky thing, but it's still kind of like I hate when I see this because in other movies that have, let's say, brighter casts, they would find a way to make this work. But yeah. I hate 
when you have, especially when you have a movie set in a city with a very strong dialect or a very strong, mm-hmm. uh, I can't even think of the word right now. Fucking the accent. Um, accent. Yeah. That no one has that fucking accent. Mm-hmm. Like this is fucking New Orleans, man. This is, has a very storied and long history of of having this accent. Like you can't find this accent anywhere else. And if you go to see movies about Boston, motherfuckers talk like they from Boston, right? Yep. If you have yep. a movie yep. about yep. fucking New York, motherfuckers talk like they're from New York. It's not really like yep. Atlanta where you only have like a certain section of the city that has a very distinct accent where everybody else is transplants. Mm-hmm. We all sound like me. But in New yeah. Orleans, they got that fucking accent. And these people are supposed to have been there. At least this girl is supposed to have been there since Katrina. Her fans supposed to have been there before Katrina. And she ain't got no accent. Chris ain't got no accent. Ain't none of them mm-hmm. got no accent. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Y'all need to do better than this. Okay? <laughs> like, come on, baby. I should be able to barely recognize, understand these people, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Especially Chris. Especially Chris. Especially Chris. <laughs> uh, number two, or letter two, um, I feel like they sh- they could have and I know this movie had a limited budget. They probably had limited time to shoot a lot of this stuff. I felt like they could have made Babineau uh, more prominent, or at least Keith Davis' character more prominent in the story. Uh, you kind of only mm-hmm. see him a couple of times. He's kind of really out of focus and out of frame. You hear his voice, mm-hmm. but you don't really actually meet him until like almost the end of the movie. <laughs> like, it was almost like they at... wanted it to be a reveal, and they didn't do a yeah. good job of making it a reveal. They didn't make it a reveal, and then you like with the uh, the African vampires, they didn't even show up until twenty minutes to the end of the movie. And I feel like mm-hmm. that could have been something that I wanted to see more of. Like they could have had that, like that rivalry of the between the the two clans be more uh, apparent from the beginning, and then like this young girl and her family just getting kind of caught up in the mix. Uh, those are really only my only complaints. The acting is, I mean, this is a, a low budget movie. Uh, the acting is not the best. The the pacing is not the best. But god damn it, if I didn't love it, <laughs> like, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> Uh, this movie tackles something that uh, I don't. I don't think I've seen very many movies talk about, especially movies uh, that are made for black people or about black people talk about since like the color purple, which is colorism. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I can't remember really, it, and I've seen a lot of movies, guys, that that people talk mm-hmm. about. You know, colorism. Like her brother keeps calling her Wesley Snipes, which I'm sorry, I have referred to other black people as Wesley's life as well. <laughs> we yes. do it. It's, or, it, it's or, uh, terrible. So oh, yeah. black and purple. Yeah. Uh, you midnight. Know, darkness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We go through the list. Yes. <laughs> we can go through the list. And it's a dumb thing. It's it's a legacy of white supremacy that we do this because, you know, obviously we have in our head that the darker your skin color, the uglier you are. The girl in this movie ain't that dark either. <laughs> like mm-hmm. She probably between me and Jason over here. So she ain't that yeah. dark. But I love that they tackled this. I love that the, the African vampires said, your skin is beautiful. You have, if you were one of us, you would be powerful. Like, you yep. would have been the most beautiful queen in our, my hometown ever. Like, people would have fucking burned alive in the sun looking to be like you. And <laughs> I thought that was like, fucking, I want to give that fucking vampire a hug. And honestly... <laughs> The fact that this dude is like, yo, we don't, we can, the more melanated skin is the sunlight doesn't infect us. And we don't even really drink blood all that often. It's actually like 
I'd be like, oh, sign me up for being a vampire, guys. Come on. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> like, this doesn't sound so bad at all. <laughs> and then, like, Keith Davis, like, the way you look, y'all, you could have been a day walker by tomorrow. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, like, there, it's it's a B movie. It's definitely a little schlocky at times, mm-hmm. a little bit on the nose, especially with the whole, uh, I kind of felt like the whole Katrina, like, I know that is a story. I mean, that's a big problem in New Orleans. This is a big problem everywhere where, you know, after disaster, you know, you know, the black neighborhoods, neighbors of, of color don't get rebuilt. And if they are getting rebuilt, they're getting gentrified rather than rebuilt. And I know, and it's New Orleans is still happening. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, I, I kind of like, yeah, it's been 15 years since Katrina, but it's like, yeah, I know that people are still hurting even though that storm happened 15 years ago, you know? So, but otherwise this, this was fun. <laughs> this is yeah. a fun one. No, uh, um, I really wish I could see more of the vampire hunting vampires. Cause they're fucking, I don't even know what the, their sticks are called, but they were right? fucking badass. <laughs> fucking badass. Like uh, they should have put uh, more of that. In fact, they could cut the girl story out and just had them do their thing. And I would have been fine. <laughs> Look, if, if there's any week that, uh, Jerry needed to be sick, this is it. Cause, <laughs> The poofing, I mean, let's be keep it real. I know me and you both got Buffy the Vampire vibes when yeah. they would poof out. And I was like, oh, yes. Like, <laughs> she even mentioned it to her sis because uh, she was talking to her sis, like, who I think I am, Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I don't know. Right, do right. Uh, <laughs> right. Her gay best friend. Like, oh, this, is, yeah. this is a matter of writing. Uh, yeah. Her gay best friend was like, I wrote a note. I was like, I get it. You're her gay Mexican best friend. It's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Less, that's not a character guy. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a character trait. It's not a personality. <laughs> right. It's like, we get it. But do you and, think... And... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, do you think this leaves the door open for a part two? Or like... Is oh, this certainly. Just... Oh, okay. Certainly that's what I thought, too. They left it on a cliffhanger, even though um, I feel like the vampires mm-hmm. had some semblance of control over themselves to not, you know, like I don't think like he would have, you know, and spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Five, her, four, three, two, one. Okay. Her friend, the one person that talks about doing something afterwards of after we get done doing this, gets killed at the end. But yeah, then yeah. He comes back at the very as a shock ending. I just don't feel like he would do that. I just I, I don't feel like he would he would come back to her as a vampire because right. he knows. Firstly, there are other vampires out there who have control over themselves. Who can just have jobs and live life and whatever. Um, I figure like you know, first, they should have known that he was going to come back as a vampire. Firstly, mm-hmm. secondly, even mm-hmm. probably because he's they're not evil once they get turned. They're just hungry he probably would have known to seek out those guys and maybe that's he shows up as a shocking factor at the end of this and maybe you know if they get a sequel he's like yo i need you to hook me up with that those african vampire dudes because i'm freaking out right now maybe because i just don't feel like he's just going to come back and hurt his friend so well yeah and also too i mean i think the other surprise is supposed to be that according to remember he was like oh remember the the crackhead one was like they say if you kill him like everybody that he turned turns yeah. back to normal. I think that's what it was supposed to be the shock that like Babino had died. That's not gonna happen. So you assume that everybody had went back and that his by him being bit 
wouldn't have turned them. And then, like you said, it, 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 no. I mean, which again gave me a pop because, I mean, I watched Vampire Diaries and all that, and that's their mythology too. If you kill an original, his whole line gets back to normal. dies off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, again, I pop. I loved it. I love the fact that whoever did this not only just being knowing about black people and black culture, they did their homework on vampires. Like, yeah, I can point out the vampire mythology from almost. Different, even when they walked in and they were talking about Anne Rice's van, like yeah, they were, they were definitely mythology. They were definitely pulling from di- very many different sources, and you know, you know, citing their sources too. Like, oh, Anne Rice says this, and then you know, f- 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 the Vampire Series says this, and this book says that, and it's like, right. cool, we can bring in from all over because that's if you were in that situation, we would go through all the stuff to know <laughs> what to do with vampires. Honestly, right. I'd be like, well, I need some steaks, uh, maybe some silver and some garlic. I, I mean, I could. I know what to do. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like, no worries there. Um, yeah. So I don't need to go we find to... some white chick to tell me how to fucking deal with vampires. <laughs> Facts. So if we're rating Black as Night, what would you give the rating for Black as Night? A solid four. I'm right there with you. I'm a solid four. Man, we're not giving you guys as much diversity. That's why we usually have Jaren here, but I'm giving it a, a four <laughs> as well. I just love that there's so much about it. If you're not a horror guy and you can't put up with B movies and visuals i would say it's probably a 2.5 at that point if you can't put up with that but if you can put up with that and you enjoy it you'll really enjoy that movie uh shout out to amazon for actually putting it on there and letting it roll so blackest night on amazon prime video don't watch it especially absolutely absolutely <laughs> well and i say blackest night was for the last one because it rolls over into our next conversation uh i would consider blackest night as a black horror movie and I know you will probably consider that too, Jason. Uh, so I wanted to talk about black people in horror movies versus black horror movies. Um, and this is kind of a free balling conversation, so we could take it anywhere you want to go or how you ever want to take it. Um, so let's start off with black black people in horror movies, Jason. Let's start with there. Like, what is your thought of growing up or when you saw black people in horror movies or whatever? Just give us that whole diaspora of what you, you felt in the genre. Well, uh, growing up, you know, there weren't really very many black people in horror. There's always usually, like in most movies growing up, there's usually like the, your one token black character. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the stereotype is usually they're the first person to get killed off or they are get killed off very, very quickly. Um, they And I, I don't want to say like, you know, Black is a monolith, or black is, uh, uh, you know, every single black person acts the same way. I know I don't. I know Jason would say he doesn't. Like, we don't all act the same way. We don't all have, but we have a cultural understanding of, you know, things we would do in certain situations. Not everybody, but mm-hmm. a lot of us do. Uh, a buddy of mine used to refer to this as the nigga instinct, all right? Because <laughs> we, we live in a society where, you know, you go down the wrong street, not even if you go down the wrong street, you go down the right street and you could your life could be ended. Right? Mm-hmm. You we live in a society where your neighbor can can kill you and or you could go to prison for the rest of life over some bullshit. Right? So you live in a society where there's constant dangers. And that's just living out in the suburbs. I'm not even talking about people who live in, you know, blighted poverty, poverty stricken areas where crime is more, you know, prevalent because of this, you know, the situation they're in. So you you have a uh, sort of understanding of when something is dangerous for you and when it's not. And and this is more so than generally people who have the world as their oyster because, you know, I know 
white girls aren't afraid of nothing. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they ain't afraid of shit. So, and like, you can tell when there's a movie that has maybe a writer, a black person who had just said something to the writer before they wrote it, because they will do something culturally appropriate, or maybe they might do something like in the Halloween movie where the guy's like, no, I'm not going to go over there. That's something we would have done. But in the rest of the movie, it's like, that's not something that the majority of the diaspora would have done in that situation. And, mm-hmm. and that's when you know it's not, there's not very many differing voices in the writing room or on set or whatever because that, this just, I mean, like, I know I'm the goofiest, corniest fucking black dude on the, you know, people have told me, you yeah, like all the time or whatever bullshit. And it's like, I know that me, my brother, who's the hoodest dude I know, and Tyrone down from the block would have done the exact same thing in this situation that this character did not do. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And so when you see, like, movies with just black characters in it, it's, it's just the bare minimum surface level. Like, here is your representation but we did not mm-hmm. think of any to listen to any other voice. They're either here to die or they're here to say something witty and get the fuck out of there. Like the black cameraman in Scream 2 is like, I ain't fucking fucking with this shit. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> Which Shout is what... out to Dwayne Martin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, so when you actually see like a movie that is written by black folk in a horror movie, you understand, okay, there we Though I will I will say in Blackest Night, um, our main character is probably the dumbest black girl from the fourth ward or ninth ward or whatever. <laughs> she's out there walking <laughs> on the street by herself and she knows mm-hmm. she's not supposed to do that. She did it anyway. So like, but like the thing is like, she's like, I shouldn't have done this. I should not have left that party without my friend that we, you know, not to walk around here at night by yourself. That's number one rule to do, but she did it anyway. Cause she was frustrated. She was emotionally, you know, messed up. So it's like, she explained it, even though, she, you know, that's something that, most of us would not have done right so yeah it's just like you can tell especially as a person of color you can tell when someone has made the effort to like accurately reflect a black voice versus someone who's just put a black actor in as an interchangeable part in their movie and i the one thing i did not like about halloween kills is like i felt like the black characters in this movie were just put in because they were like, oh, we need more black people in this movie. Here you go. Let's take uh, this character, this character, this character, let's make them black. And right. did not rewrite it, did not understand culturally what was going on or whatever. And that is really annoying to me. And, and it's annoying to me in a lot of movies, not just horror movies. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and I think, you know, to jump with that, I mean, everything you said, I, I agree with. I think another thing, too, a lot of times when they put black people in horror movies, it is almost, especially the older ones. The older ones, it was, it's almost a, a feeling, a symptom of, I, to use a wrestling term, because I watch a lot of wrestling, but I, know, I need to sacrifice somebody who people perceive as big and tough to make sure that my character, a monster, is bigger and tougher. Yeah. So that's... I felt like always in the early days, it was always this filled with black characters in horror movies that, yeah, we're getting you up out of here, but we're getting about getting you up out of here because we probably presented you as this tough, no nonsense, sling token, blah, 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 blah. And then when you, you die, it's like, oh, easily. damn. That means yeah, that guy's yeah, even oh, tougher. Damn. Exactly. 
And I always you, felt like you killed the thing that I'm actually afraid of. So you must be even worse. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so I've always felt like that was the trope with it. I, I, I guess I'll ask a question and then we'll jump over to black horror movies. Who was the first black person in a movie, horror movie that you saw that survived? Or even if they didn't survive, you felt was culturally written correctly. Um, this is gonna be stupid, but uh, LL Cool J from Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> you know, you know, I ask that because I feel like most people in our age that that is it's, that's, that is that, the, that's the one. And I was like, what the fuck? He lived? What? How the fuck that happened? <laughs> and you know, right, LL Cool right. J. I mean, like as much as I love Sam Jackson, who did a iconic scene in that movie. You oh know, yeah, absolutely. Which is something that, you know, it's like, yo, calm the fuck down. We're all smart people. We, If we use our heads, we're going to get out of this alive. And, you know, obviously he gets eaten by a shark after that. But, like, that's something, you know, I mean, not I would say, but that's something that I would be thinking. Like, why are we panicking? Like, like everybody, we're, we're fucking scientists. We can figure this shit out, right? <laughs> right, right, right. But, um, uh, yeah, hello, Cool J from D. Sweet C. And then the only other one I can think of is Busta Rhymes. From Halloween Res- Res- Resurrection, and and the only reason that he even lived in that one is because uh, the test audience didn't like him dying, <laughs> but he still gets his ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh well, you know he does that kung fu stuff on Michael Myers yeah. too. But anyway, it was um, so dumb. But yeah. <laughs> so I have a different memory from mine because yes, most people I talk to is always deep. You see, or they talk about um, Ice Cube from Anaconda. Okay, yeah, that's, that's another one we yeah. talk about. Um, mine is Kincaid from Nightmare on M Street 3. And it was like, the sad thing is, in part four, he's the he first one they off. <laughs> but in part three, it was like, because I go into it with the stigma of it, and I'm like, oh, well, yeah, the brother about to get it pretty good, you know, because, you know, this is what we do. And so when he survives... It almost felt like a what? Like <laughs> they, they let him get away with this, especially if you watch them on Elm Street three. The main character Nancy from part one, <laughs> he gets off in, in, in that. Like yeah, she gets, gets off right, right away. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, you know, for me, the brother is way long past gone. If they they killing a white woman that was the hero. <laughs> Uh, but again, I, like I said, I think that was my first one. Another honorable mention is when I first did see Night of the Living Dead. Oh, yeah. He didn't survive, but he was the character he, that... He was the last one alive. Together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, which, you gotta realize, in that era, George Murillo doing that in that era, that is just... Which what? also goes <laughs> back to rewriting and getting a cultural respect in the movie. Like, that character was originally just regular old white dude. You know, yeah, yeah, and and then you know they had an actor come in and try out for the part who was black who ended up getting the part, and they you know made it like a black dude was like they gave they like like how would you write this if it was if it was you in this and like from that part you know you could feel like he's a black dude trying to survive in this situation like he's telling people well, stay away from the doors lock that bitch up downstairs yeah. like why are y'all fucking being all <laughs> like he takes charge and like. Use his logic in this fucking situation. I'm not saying all black people logical. Don't get me wrong, but like, right? We have this. And uh, his his name was uh, uh, Dwayne Jones. And the best line in that movie that sets the tone is, 
you may be the boss out here, out there, but in here, I'm the boss. And I was like, he, all right, brother. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, he, does, he he smacks the white chick, you know, like, you know, get, get your head together. Get your head in the game, you know? <laughs> like, right, right. <laughs> oh, ass turkey. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and I think, what was it in the, the re- the remake or reimagine of wasn't it Tony Todd, the black guy in that one? Wasn't he in uh wasn't Tony Todd in um no that wasn't Tony Todd that was in uh De- Dawn of the Dead, was it? Uh I'm not quite sure. I'll have to look it up. But I, I think I want to say because remember they did a colorized re uh yeah uh, in like the nineties or whatever. I, I never saw that one. The fucking first right, one right. to scare the shit out of me. <laughs> Just thinking about it. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, but yeah, so that was my first one there. And again, so it, it was, it, let's be real, I hate to say this, like for people who know about the about black people in horror movies, that was a moment for us. Like, as quiet as is kept, there was a, these were moments for us. Where it was like, what? The black yeah. dude was the last one shot in the head by the white militia that was looking for zombies? Hey, that's a win. Like, that's how poor <laughs> our representation was in horror, that we we took that as a win, regardless, because like you, you said, still live. he was the last one alive. Yeah, so... Um, Going with that, let's talk about go. Let's move over to so black horror movies, which I hate to say, not hate There's to not say, really a lot. <laughs> it, not even I was gonna say. I hate to say that it's becoming the the trendy thing now, and I don't think it's being done with the respect that some of it should be done. Uh, let's be let's put it on the table. When Get Out made a bunch of money, it opened the floodgates in Hollywood to say, "Oh, it's an audience for black horror," and blah blah blah. And now I feel like That's we're it. getting. Things Let's just do our that bare don't... minimum to to yes. get money. Yeah. So... Oh, it's racism. And the scariest thing, maybe racism white folks, or maybe not, but see this movie yeah. because you know, we I mean what did they do? We slow mode a, a popular 90s song that everybody likes. We made it slow, just like Jordan. Like it's trope. They just copied trophy. the style. That was it. That was yeah. it. And like even Jordan Peele moved on from that when he did us. It's like it's not even about like even though his character, his main characters were black. And us, it wasn't really about like any you know generational trauma in that. Right. Like it that was about fucking mole people taking over the fucking world. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, even this that like that people that imitated and took the archetype of it didn't even get that get out was literally saying that to them. That yeah. hey, you think this is cool and hip, you want a piece of it, so you invade it and take over it and pretend it's still that and it's not anymore. Like, like, you even missed the whole point of Get Out by even doing what you did. <laughs> like that one with uh, Janae Monet, Janelle Monet, the uh, Annabelle. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was mm, terrible. Not it. Not it. <laughs> but and, but, but they guess, were just, let's speak. Go ahead. They were just trying to copy the style. And I mean, I, I get it. It made money, you know, copy the style. But like, as we like to say a lot, it's like, you know, there's more to this, to, this culture to this to us as a a people than our generational trauma and I, even though mm-hmm. i like you know Candyman, which you know gave us generational trauma with a revenge ghost i guess you know you right. can still do horror movies without having it you know the horror be that the fact that white people exist you know? right <laughs> well i'm gonna say and that's my next question like so i feel like a lot of black horror movies speak to the fears that we already have in our regular life, and when done well, they turn that up to eleven. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a heavy metal reference there. Um, that's when they <laughs> are their most everybody. effective. 
Right. Yeah. 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 And that's when they're most of they're most effective because we have those. Because and I always think back when I think when somebody were to tell me black horror movie, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Mine is Tales from the Hood. Like, I was about to say Tales from the Hood. <laughs> yeah, because again, it was one of the first time that we had saw things like that. And Tales from the Hood, regardless of what you want to say, it is flaws and faults. The best thing it does is what we just talked about. It takes a lot of our fears and concerns, and it turns it up to eleven. I mean, homeboy getting beat beat up by the police and killed and framed, and like that is every black man's fear in America. And this was like a no. This wasn't like a regular Joe Bo black dude. This dude had power and influence, and they still treated him like a regular joker in the street, and were able. You know, it, it just that is why when black horror is done correctly. It's almost you're, you're you're pulled in and it's almost virtual because sometimes it's even hard to watch because it, yeah. it almost feels too relatable. Yeah. And, and that's the scary thing that like something that's been overly exaggerated to make a point, we don't even see it as overly exaggerated. We just see it as, oh shit, this could actually happen. And it, it's a different vibe when it's it, it's setting this. So I'm I'm gonna stop and let you kind of go into that spill a little bit. Talk about just Black horror movies and what, what well, do you th- get out of it or what do you think about them? I think it also goes to the fact that, you know, as I said earlier, like we have this generational trauma. So it's not like Michael Myers scares us. If you're going to make a movie that's going to scare black people, we're not worried about Michael Myers. Right. We're not worried about Freddy Krueger. We're worried about Karen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're worried about Chad, you know, like, it goes to show you, like, you know, for, you know, the general population of horror movies, you can have these outlandishly things, you know, ghosts and demons and super killers, and that be scary. But in black horror movies, you need more, you need to come up with more than that or or more grounded than that. You need to, you know, like, you know, if Freddy Krueger killed me, I'd be like, all right, that's fine. I guess that's better than what was going to happen if I got pulled over the next time. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> So like I it's it's kind of it's kind of sad that we can only do these movies that in because I can't really think of any black horror movie that doesn't really deal with generational trauma, maybe Vampire in Brooklyn, but that's not really right. But but that's the thing is like if you're gonna write a movie to scare black audiences, just show them fucking roots, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, it's like, I definitely you just, what you, you said it, that like you made a comment about like Karen and and, and Chad being scary. Of that having a black face in a place that historically, through trauma and influence, has told us that black faces should not belong is scarier to us than almost any ghoul or goblin that you can ever bring up. Yeah. You know what? Like, Get Out didn't like shock terror scare me but the tension in scenes and get out oh my god were so yeah. strong because it was this black face and that was a real uh, chocolate brother that wasn't none of that black as night oh well no like homeboy is a real dark. dark skinned he brother was a yeah, yeah he real dark <laughs> yeah 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 and he's in this white space even though the white space feels accommodating as a black man you're always waiting for the one time either you act quote unquote into your normal character of blackness or they act into the stereotypical cultural representation that we feel of whiteness. And now you got to deal with that. Like you got to yeah. deal with somebody asking you a weird question that you know is only being asked to you because you're black. 
And instead of being like, bro, like I ain't here for that. You got to be like, well, you know what? I you know, I, I, right? Yes, I got to code switch and make you yeah. feel comfortable in a space that I'm completely uncomfortable in. Exactly. That's scarier than anything that you will like. That that and moment that's... of just. That's terrible. And that's so what's great about Get Out is because it's not something like I don't think I'll ever have a a, a to deal with ever dealing with Michael Myers, right? Um, right. It's, I'm never gonna. I'm probably never gonna deal with a serial killer. Uh, definitely, Freddy Krueger doesn't exist. I'm never gonna deal with it. But in Get Out, I've been in those situations. I've lived those experiences. Maybe not. No one's trying to take over my 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 brain and put another person's brain into it. But I, the, the horror was it, you know, when you get pulled by, over by the cops and they ask, even though you were the passenger, they're asking you for your ID. Or right, when you're in a right. situation where they seem like they're accommodating, but they're saying things that, mm, you're just like, you, they don't think it's racist, but it's like, yo, why would you say that to me? You know? And, and right. like, you know, <laughs> or, or you have to be in that situation where you are amongst, you know, people who don't look like you have to put on the act because they're your, they're, you're their only access to blackness, so you pretty much have to be a spokesperson for every black face that there is. <laughs> Absolutely. And those Absolutely. and that shit is real and it's scary. And that's why that movie was so scary. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, it is a, a certain amount of it's a certain amount of I don't want to call it fear, it's a certain amount of uneasiness. That black people already feel just being a citizen in America. Yeah. That that's without any apprehension. That's even in your own community. That is outside of your community. It's always some a, a bit of uneasiness. Because let me just be real. Because I know white people have to talk about black on black crime. Black people don't what like black crime? on black crime either. We 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 hate it. We yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, just we, crime. Hate, <laughs> we hate any kind of crime or any kind of violence when you're not a violent or violence or a criminal, like any of it. And we don't a lot, a lot of us don't feel we feel uneasy in our own communities because of mm -hmm. crime levels. We're not cool with that either. So we don't have a place where we can breathe easy. Anywhere we go comes with a exception. If we're around our people and the area isn't as uh, well-funded I mean, or, you know, we have it uneasy. For any areas that are affluent, and there probably are out there, but are exclusively black. Or even yeah, middle class, anymore. Right, I right. can't think of it. Really, not anymore. Yeah, that very little, so if none at all. If anymore, you are right. trying to live in an in uh, uh, middle class, middle upper affluent area, you're going to be surrounded by other people who aren't like you. And if you're not, yeah. you're going to be relegated to the part of the country that they don't give a shit about, that they're not going to put resources in, that is going to breed a hostile environment because there right. is no resources in that place. So there is and the thing is there used to be places where black people can be safe and just breathe and live their life but those places were fucking burnt down or yes. bulldozed yes. over or flooded right. yep. <laughs> and then yes, and it's people, like don't don't look up your history of your lakes a lot of yeah, lakes just built any over black reservoir and towns. <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like you know and it's not, it's not even like a conscious Unease. It's just something that just sits in the pity. It's not like you're thinking about like, well, if I go to the grocery store, is someone gonna fucking? You don't really think about it, but it's something that just sits in the pit of your stomach that you. It just is always there, and mm -hmm. and, it, and and it never goes away. 
Like no, no matter where you go, it never goes away. You know, and that's that's the worst part about like and and I and the movies that explain this, you know, I mean Tales from the Hood, you know, all these you know, I don't even think all those the 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 little segments, most of them were supernatural in nature. The right. one with the dolls is really scary. Mm-hmm. But they all have to deal with that already innate fear of that that was sitting in there. And, you know, people who, you know, succumb to that fear and become violent people, you know, like those three dudes who were gang members, you yeah. know, they end up like, oh, this is hell, you know? So. It's- Absolutely. I mean, I, I want to even grab something that you had said and you had, uh, when we talk about uh, Lovecraft Country, um, the scariest thing in that was the racism and not the monsters. Yeah. And that was something I'm taking from you. That's what you said. Yeah. And but and that's what it is. Like when we talk about this black horror movie thing, and you're right, like it's so hard to make those kind of movies for us because either you beat a dead horse with the trauma or the things that we know we already fear, or you try to go another direction, but it's not almost it's not the kind of scary to us because yeah. like you said. We're not worried about a Freddy. We're not worried about a Michael yeah. Myers and all that. It has a, a a fear of shock and jump scare thing, but it isn't that thing that's going to sit with you as you walk out the theater. Yeah, because you don't have we don't we don't fear that. So it almost pigeons our black horror movies into these almost boxes of like you got to have something that relates to the struggle somewhere in the movie. If you don't, it ain't real. Like it, you know what I'm saying? Like and yeah. I guess it, it, is there a is there a way that we can move to or our, our black horror movies feel like black people in a horror movie, which is made by black. Like, is it a passage to that? Because I don't know if it is, because I don't know how do we get our mindsets to be like, hey, we should have that fear more with this stuff as well as the other stuff. I think uh, us, as I said, was probably the first attempt of trying to do that, where it's like, it's black people in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and whether people, I mean, I don't think most people didn't really like us as much as they like Get Out, but because I mean, like, yeah, it was. I mean, like, underground mole people. It's not scary. <laughs> it's not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like I for honestly, like, as since I've become an adult, like, I as a, as I say, I don't fuck with ghosts, but like, I'm not worried about ghosts. Like, I see a ghost movie, yeah, uh, I'll be shocked, but that. The moment I walk out, I'm done with that movie, right? Mm. I'm done with that show. As m- moment is over, I'm done. Like, you know, in good movies, whether it be like Saving Empire Ryan or Forrest Gump, it's like once it's over, it's like you're not done with it. You're still, you know, interacting with it and thinking about it after the fact of 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 viewing it. Right. And really, the only horror movie that in the last as long as I can remember that I've only been, that's still as a, as an adult that is still like, I still think about and still interact with is get out <laughs> because right, right. that legitimately scared me. Right. Mm-hmm. It legitimately made me fear. <laughs> and it's like, and that's, and that's because it played on the traumas and, and emotions that I've already felt through my life. And, whether I, I and you know and and that's probably bad because in the end of the day a horror movie isn't supposed to really scare you 
it's just supposed to make you feel a little bit ooh, i gotta scare you. you're supposed to bring you close to it but it's like oh no you're in a safe space it's just right movie. you can go on and and live your life and that's why they're fun right it's like oh i i saw the serial killer but i didn't actually experience being a part of being in the serial killer's wake so it's it's fun but you know so i guess i you you just got to get rid of that stuff and just make movies with black characters in them and they just fucking dealing with freddy cougar and just be and just be fun and just be like here's a jump scare ah i got you but this is fun we're having fun you know that's the only way forward because like yeah because otherwise this generation of time it's it sits I, I mean it sits with you as much as i love lovecraft mm-hmm. country it sits with me because it's real the monsters aren't real but the other stuff is real so right right well i, I mean that's i think we can close it there we are going to jump into our final segment of the night which i know you're going to enjoy very much like i told you at the beginning we have comments so hey <laughs> first comment we have this is from about uh, two weeks ago it's uh indrit.cold and if i mess people's names please forgive me i'm not a professional reader i just do it for a living uh <laughs> it is it was on the episode we did about werewolves and vampires which we would rather be that quick snippet we had uh this person i don't know if he or she Said they hey. are hashtag team werewolf. So shout out to you, Indrid Cole. There, I disagree, but you know what? That's what that is the only comment. logical choice, right there. I'm t- I'm sorry, <laughs> it's the only logical choice is to be a werewolf. I don't understand what. Oh, okay, go on, Jason. Go on. Okay, don't, you don't want to be a vampire because you don't want to suck like men's necks. I'm perfect. I want to look at the cool. sun. I want to enjoy my life. I want to go to on vacation and go to Uh, beaches and not have to sit in a coffin for them for a million years. All the best part of vacation happens when the sun goes down anyway. I like like going to Disney World, right? I don't like being getting too dark anyway. So (laughs) might as well be a vampire, get pale, people protect me better. (laughs) I want to be one of the blackest night vampires while melanin helps me in the sun. All right, let's go to LB. Uh, this is off of our Venom review. They go, I had to watch it twice, the movie, they're saying. In the I'm end, sorry. I agree with what each of you said. It really had promise, and I'm not saying it is a complete deal breaker. I think if they listen to each of you and go back to the drawing board, they can make a really good movie. I'm going to have to wait for Venom 3 to see if they do better. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't think we all didn't really grade Venom that high, and we all came up with a lot, bunch of ideas that could have made that movie a lot better than what it was. But it is a, just like Venom 1, a huge circle of people that love these Venom movies. And I... I, I don't get it. But I, re-sequel I is a thing. Maybe they'll come back and be like, you know what? We'll throw out Venom 2 and here's a new Venom 2. You know, they do this right. now. <laughs> all right. And then we have one. This is actually from Coach Boo, one of my good friends, who Coach I actually Blue. saw No Time to Die uh, with. So... This is his review because he heard our review on No Time to Die. And he goes, this movie sucked. Terrible <laughs> villain. Ugly-ass Bond girl. He's talking oh. about the one that Bond settled down with. Not the, not the other two, but the one that he settled down with. Way too damn long. Wrong gender for his offspring. Not enough action. Wrong <laughs> gender like for his offspring? <laughs> All right, that's when you throw the whole review away. That's when you just uh. toss out the fucking... <laughs> 
Movies like this must have at least two things. One an intermission or two table dances. <laughs> <laughs> that drink toast they had at the end of the movie in memory of that bad motherfucker who saved the world numerous times was some straight up bullshit. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Now he's just fucking with Boo. us. He's just fucking with us at this point. Boo gave it a 5.0 on the Boo scale. And I'm only a fan because I'm a fan. I'm only it only because I'm a fan of the franchise. Now his scale goes to 10. So five <laughs> is a damning score for him. And he said, yeah, he's only giving it that high because he's a fan of the franchise. Fox my friend on Coach Boo's. My Fox. friend Chris Crosby, shout out to Chris Crosby, also did not like he just didn't like the ending of the movie. He thought uh it was too contrived that Bond died at the end. Uh, he did not feel anything. The fact that he was poisoned. He's like, he never even fucked. He didn't hang out with these people for five years. He could be fine without them for the next five or 15 years. <laughs> so shout out to Chris. I did listen to you. You could have came on the show and told Jason how much you felt, but he, he didn't get back to me. But. <laughs> yes, we'll say that for another day if he wants to. All right. And then now our last one is Josh Gorsky. And he uh, he listened to our midnight ma- uh, midnight mass review. He goes, I have to agree with the guy in the top left, uh, the top left the most, which I mean, he usually a, is. I guess he's going to be. You, just, you, you go the dark skin black guy, the middle skin black guy, the white guy. Come on, it's- right now, please. <laughs> colorism is the thing here. We needed to, to identify. Uh, I think he's is either between you or Jaren, but. Um, he goes, okay, I'm thinking he's agreeing with you, know, you, Jay. He goes, I agree with the guy on the top left of, uh, the, on the top left the most, but I got to disagree with the drinking rat poison being a white person thing. So I think he's talking about you because me and you both <laughs> made a comment about like, oh, yeah, only white people do that. Yeah, he goes, I mean, thing. he goes, <laughs> you ready? Hold on. This is what he gives us because when I read it, I was like, oh, I got to read this on the show. He goes, Johnstown congregation was Jonestown, 70% yeah. black. Yeah, Johnstown yep. was 70% black. Like he uses the one outlier, yeah, of all the mass poisonings, <laughs> but <cultist> that's actions. <laughs> but that's where the phrase "drinking the Kool Aid" comes from because they put the poison in the Kool Aid in Jonestown and they made the kids drink it. So he picked the one, but the big one. <laughs> right, right, right. I-, I wanted to clear up some things for this. When we say that is some white people shit, we're not saying that no black person ever does it because <laughs> every black person does everything. Like the, the yeah. conversation about meth. We will say, oh, meth is a white person's drug. It is a ton of black people that do meth. I know a lot of Actually, black people. Score, yeah, is rising <laughs> up. The point is, is that stereotypically in our society, when something is done, it usually gets attached to a certain race and person. And we're not sensitive enough to be like, oh, we shouldn't use stereotypes. We play with the stereotypes all the time on this show. And if you've heard, never heard this before, we play about it and talk about it, break them down, deconstruct them, and build them back up because it is what it is. When we say yes, some white people shit, we're just saying that typically, if you were to go, such and such such happened, what's the first group of people would come to your mind in that situation? Let's play a go. little game here real quick. If we're we were to go to say, spice and I have Ugg boots, who do you think is going to go? <laughs> we're going to go probably some white people shit. If I were to go, man, he got that money and bought some Jordans and a Cadillac. That's some black people You're shit. You're probably right? going to think some black people shit. That's some hood shit goes, right there. Yeah. He goes, man, somebody climbed in my window and stole my TV. That's some hood shit right there. It could go either way. But we Depends would probably say black people shit on this. And we would probably say black people shit on this show. If we were to go and say, man, hey, I guess I don't want to use that one because that's more sensitive. But no, fuck it. It's our show. I don't give a damn. Hey, yeah. somebody shot up a school. Oh, that's some white people we're shit. Probably going to say Even some white people shit. The last one was a black kid. 
again, again, and that's my point is that we were when we say some white people shit, we're not saying that no bloody black does it. Black people do everything just like white people do everything. It yeah. If somebody yeah, was we're like people man, too. <laughs> right, right, right. Wait, these some people shit. If somebody would have come and be like, oh man, I don't know why he came to the party with a 40. <laughs> depending on the age of the white person, maybe some white people shit. But depending on where you're from, you'd be like, who still drinks 40? Oh, old black people. That's just old black people drink 40. <laughs> old black people who live in Jacksonville drink 40s. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so when we say that comment, we're not saying that's exclusive, but I did I did. I did chuckle when he was like, yeah, 70% of the black congregation was black. And I was like, touche. See, that's all that I can say was touche. Oh, you got me there. In the defense of the Jonestown, guess who put the fucking rat poison in the Kool-Aid? It was some white Oh, bullshit. some white <laughs> Yes. <laughs> nope. Okay, Jim Jones is fucking white. So we pulled him right back on you. <laughs> He's the one that told him to kill himself. That's some white people shit right there. <laughs> So hopefully this didn't offend anybody. Hopefully you guys had fun with that segment. But again, guys, please comment. We love it. We will read the comments. Like like Jason said earlier, you are more than welcome to come on the show and yes. argue your point of view with it, and we would love to have you. We would love to do it. In the words of Jason, you're, you're saying? Yeah, you, everybody has an opinion. You may be wrong, <laughs> but you, right. everybody has one. And we're all right. doing it in just good fun, even if, your opinion, if we tell you your opinion is wrong, because it is. We, we still love you. <laughs> right. Yes, yes, yes. But yeah, you're more than welcome to reach out to us uh, personally. Um, it has my Instagram, has my Twitter on it. You're more welcome to reach out and come on the show and have some fun with us and talk about some of these subjects. Hell, I'll even give you the movie and review lineup. And if you could watch them, you could review that stuff with us and enjoy your time here. So it's always an open seat and invitation at the N-Word for Nerd podcast. With all that being said, man, it is about that time. Man, I didn't think we would have a longer (laughs) show than when Jaron is not on the show than when he's on the show. But I guess it gives him something more to edit when he's sick and Our longer show is because we have more content than when Jaron is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm, I'm just joking. I'm joking, Jaron. I can't wait till he edits this and hears all this. (laughs) Uh, But again, thank you guys for listening to the N-Word for Nerd podcast. Uh, Again, Jaron is missing from us this week, but he will probably be back with us nice and strong with his great great there you go great opinions next week um but by always guys please remember like share subscribe uh follow us on facebook youtube spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, anchor fm if you're on youtube please remember to hit the bell icon ding so you will be notified when we post our silliness and shenanigans but again i thank you guys so much our numbers have been rising slowly so that means people out here listening to us. So please remember to subscribe and again, follow us so that we can get this to more of the masses and have some more fun. Other than that, um, my co-host, Jason, you have any final words? We're way better than Joe Rogan. <laughs> Everybody be kind, <laughs> be considerate, tip your servers and bartenders 20% at least, please. And I love you. All right. And thank you guys for watching. We will see you all next time. Peace.